was just getting really confused because it doesn't look like Nick is there, but I think he might just be logged in as... I think it might just be James. So maybe if I cancel the one to Nick in a bit, I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, I think they're together. Not together together. Uh, <laughs> just be like no, no, Nick's here. I'm here. Hello. Can I'm you a... can you turn off, close the browser and stop listening? Yeah, I'm at, <laughs> oh, I'm at James's. I'm at James's. Good. Oh, what? What just happened? Being a spanner. Oh, it's because you're trying to call them both. And what he's saying, he's saying don't call group, just call James. Yeah, yeah but it just failed with the call to Nick, so it's fine. Like, it, I could have just called... Like, that was fine. It, it wasn't trying to call Nick anymore. It stopped. That's what happens when you deal with a podcast. Oh, we want your podcast. I'm sorry. And I they can hear us. Here we can. <laughs> yeah, we can. We can. Hello, Stacey. Hello, you're right, dear. Can you hear us? Yes. Yeah. That's why when you said hello, I said hello. I don't know. What are you doing? You're the producer. So, so basically, on? we can hear them. I don't think they hello, can hear us. We can hear you. Oh, okay. For God's sake. Wow. This is what happens when I get left in charge of doing things. James is producing. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the funny thing is, we were just listening to the end of you talking to Lee. Yes. Yeah, and it was good, yeah. And we were hearing all your stories about fights. Yeah. And then James seemed to think it was Mystery Science Theatre and was just commenting on everything you were saying. And he was like, oh, God, I'm going to be obnoxious. I can feel it. Mm. And then the second you actually tried to call us, he fell apart completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you. I've been listening to it loads today. I'm really enjoying it. It's good. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. I just I've lost all track of like I don't remember a time, time before podcasting. Space cosmos. Um yeah, I've forgotten who we've spoken to. Everything's just become a mess in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I uh what I've is had a, I've had a slightly different experience than James. Right. I tuned in earlier on when you were talking to Kelly Sue Connick. Mm-hmm. I switched it on. And she just, it's just the end of one of her sentences. And then Barry started laughing and I got completely anxious and thought, there's no fucking way that we're going to be as funny. <laughs> and then I went into the kitchen and I had a bit of an, uh, uh, not an anxiety attack, but I went into the kitchen and I said, oh God, the person they're talking to is really funny and she's a writer and everything. And Amy said, and I wrote it down because I've got a list in front of me of stuff. He has got a really long list. Very um, long. <laughs> Amy said to me, it's okay. You'll be okay. People seem to think you're funny. <laughs> That's what my wife said. So we should be all right. Oh um, I've also got props. I've got cream cakes and Red Bull. So if you guys feel you need to eat or something at any point, but you don't want to be rude, mm-hmm. then I can join in. It's fine. I've got coffee and water, so I've got a little selection of oh, beverages just in case. Depends on the mood. Right. If I think I need a little pick-me-up or have a bit of coffee. A bit of water, just uh, I, I don't know what water does. Hydrate, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I've got a quick question for you, James. Yeah, he's drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, just sorry, I'll drink it. Have you ever, have, have you ever been, have you ever been in the Sweeney? In who? The Sweeney. The Sweeney. I no, I've not. Uh, I don't know what you've read. Right, no, because. <laughs> Because genuinely, you should be. Because I've just listened to your voice for like, you know, and I was like, do you know what? He'd make a great Sweeney villain. Oh, thank you very much. I see. You'll never take me alive, you slag. See? <laughs> see? I've got no idea what the see? Sweeney is. Put your trousers on your knicks. You know me, Mr. Regan. You know my form. You know I wouldn't on. do that. Shut it, you tart. You to write. Yeah, it's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Shut oh, it, yeah. shut it, you tart. He does have 
wasn't Ray Winston in the Sweeney remake? Yes. Yeah. Right now. I've got, I'm just going to scrub off. People seem to think you're funny from my list. I had another thing. <laughs> you mentioned the Crimson Pirate earlier on, Barry. You are literally the only person I've ever heard mention that other than one other person who I used to work with. Bert Lancaster film, isn't it? But, right, I'm going to go one further and say Bert Lancaster and Nick Cravat. Nick Cravat was always in a couple of Bert Lancaster films and he never spoke. He did lots of acrobats in there, had a beard and a sort of perm. A sort of perm. Until you mentioned it, I honestly thought the old guy I used to work with was just having a moment whenever he mentioned this film because it sounded too whimsical and no. swashbuckly. And I, I, I used to tease him about it. I used to make a big fuss about how the Crimson Pirate sounded like a euphemism for lady times. Right. <laughs> and well, he didn't like he didn't like it. So now that I know it's a real thing, it, I feel really guilty. I can I can say I can confirm it's a real thing because I. Because I always talk about like Raised Lost Dark and saying that was where I started my love affair of like pulp adventure stuff. But I realised much later on that it started much earlier because I loved all those swashbuckling films, all the Errol Flynn's and stuff like that. And um, yeah, that Crimson Pirate one, Burt Lancaster is just ah, awesome. Awesome. I might have to seek it out now. I haven't really watched many of those old swashbuckling films, but like I watched lots of the comedy sort of, um, uh, lots of the Harold Lloyd thingies oh, yeah. that they used to show on BBC Two, but I never really watched any of the full films. He's the one who hung off the clock, isn't he? Yeah. He's the one who hung off the clock. Pray for Howard Lloyd. Howard Lloyd. I've no idea what you're Stacey, what you need to do is go back in time and be born so that you live through the early 80s. Yeah, why haven't you got the same shared lived experiences that we It's just rude, isn't it? It is just rude. I'm sorry. Channel... I think when Channel 4 started, they didn't maybe have enough money for... It was like all this stuff used to be on BBC 2 mm. and Channel 4. And I think it's they didn't have that much money for original programming, so they just, just used to hack together shows out of old black and white films and, and stuff. just lots of strikes, and uh, Good Morning Britain was always on strike, so they put on um, like the Lone Ranger and stuff, didn't was they? That yeah. like, was that I'm just remembering it. I no, well, I, I always remember... Um, when you had, they had a, ITV had a strike, which was around the time of the Olympics. It was a, I think it was ITV had the strike, but in the Olympics was on BBC or whatever it was. So ITV had nothing to show. So they put on, um, V. The, oh, the, God. Oh, yeah. The original V, um, miniseries, which Stacey's, no. V was, Stacey doesn't remember. V, v was effectively about an alien invasion on Earth and whatever. And it was, and it showed it over, and, Back then, it was unheard of. Forget your fucking Game of Thrones. Now, it was like, oh my God, Game of Thrones, this is a new thing. Then, it was a sci-fi show. They showed it on ITV, and they showed you over five nights consecutively, mm -hmm. um, which back then was unheard of. When people made a fuss about Children of Earth, um, was it Children of Earth? Torchwood? Which yeah. Show? People made a fuss about that, but you think back in the 80s, that was unheard of. Um, and for me, the, that, show was amazing the mini series the um series that came after was a, was a bag of steamy shit but the the, the five part mini series was just epic because it had allergies to like nazi germany and hitler youth and all sorts and it was it was really good plus there was a guy on the horse that was out riding the spaceship was flying laser how could you not like that it was um it was great and i i remember um i guess that was probably my first really geeky thing because i liked star trek and I liked Star Wars, but that was the only thing I ever read the novels of. There was a novel of, um, I, I always remember there was the giant novel of the first miniseries, 
But then there was a novel that was called East Coast Crisis. Oh, yeah. It was thick as the original one. And it was what was happening on the East Coast of America at the same time as the first miniseries was happening. Yeah. And I just thought that was the most amazing thing. I love stuff like that where you're seeing the same giant story but from a completely different perspective. Yeah. And, and if I'm honest, that's probably when it, it first started happening. Also, I really fancied the blonde lady in it. I, I had formative experience. Yeah, I, I did. I, I did. To kind of put it into context for space, it was effectively Independence Day the TV series over five oh, yeah. over five nights. That's okay. about Will Smith. But there was another sassy black guy in there, so that. you're all good. Um, but uh, no, I thought it was a I thought it was a wicked series. Um, and um, one of the characters in V, the, the sassy black guy, later became one of the sort of little corner points of one of my characters in Fallen Heroes. Ah. See, then what happened next was um, uh, Maggie Thatcher smashed the union. <laughs> the TV was shit. So make, it up, make it up what you will. <laughs> oh, good old Maggie. Good old Maggie. She spoils everything. Yeah, cool. Damn it. It was, also, uh, it was also the first place that Robert Englund, who would later be uh, Freddy Krueger, was on that. He was this really cute little, sort of slightly simple yeah. uh, janitor alien, uh, rat-eating alien yeah. person. Yeah, because they ate, they ate rats. Yes, they did. Yeah. There's a whole, Stacey, there is a whole generation of people who remember seeing this, like, she looked like someone off Dallas. She had the black hair and she was this gorgeous-looking alien leader. Yeah. And the big reveal at the end of an episode was her. Uh, opening her jaw and it distending, and you see Chuck Hamster. Yeah, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah. And that's when Nick had his formative experience. Blonde, <laughs> <laughs> I have. I thought. I wonder if if I had a hamster. No. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, yeah, I, I I've got this urge now. I see. I've been pitched a couple of podcasts. Hamsters. No. Um, I my first ever pet was a hamster called Indy. Awesome hamster. Oh, Any, awesome. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I got pitched to do, um, a, my own sort of post-solo podcasting type thing this week. I'm thinking about doing called, called the neutral. Um, I'm just waiting. But anyway, um, <laughs> seriously, I, I almost want to do a podcast with you, which is like, which is called Stacey Does the 80s, where I just kind of recommend the 80s <laughs> stuff to you and give them to you. You go and watch them like Manimal and Airwolf and whatever. And then when you come back, we did discuss and you go, that was crap. I can't believe that guy can turn into three things or why would they only lock the A team in the same barn with the same set of equipment? That kind of stuff. I think, I think there's, I think there's traction in that. What you should do, you should do it, but you have to have a, a nuclear bomb in the room with her so she can watch it under the same constant climate of fear that we want. Because you can't watch those programs the, the, the context of the constant fear of nuclear annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> that's not resonate. Especially <laughs> no. V was very meta as far as that's concerned. They did a remake of that, didn't they? Yes, they did, which yeah. was which was awful for I me. Remember, yeah, well, I remember Rich sort of watching it, and within about five minutes, I was like, I think I might read some comics. <laughs> it had Morena Backer in off. off um, She's beautiful. Firefly. Yeah, Firefly and Homeland and Deadpool. Yeah. I love a Deadpool. Um, but I didn't watch it. I should have, because I do quite like her. Was it really not good? Did no, I just, I just think the problem with things like that is V in my mind was such a like epic show that I just, I just knew it was never going to live up to it for me. So I was always going to be disappointed. So when I watched it, I just thought, yeah, 
Um, I did, I much like says, I watched the first episode and I was just like, yeah, I'll just go and read something. Mm. And I think sometimes that's almost like the worst kind of review where it's just not. It's not offending me. Yeah. It's, it's not, not offensively it's, bad. Yeah. But similarly, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's almost kind of like, I almost, I almost want someone to be offended. You know, if someone doesn't like my stuff, I'd rather just go, it was shit. It was awful. Yeah. The characters are rubbish. And I, the worst review I ever had, it took me a little while to get over it where I just, Gave him review of Fallen Heroes where they basically accused me of um, stealing, uh, you know, Tom Clancy, the writer. Um, yeah. Basically, that my writing was that bad that I nicked Tom Clancy's name and made him a, a character in the book because there's a character in Fallen Heroes which, <laughs> is, which is called he's, he's called Clancy Wallencheck. Clancy is actually his first name, not his surname, like Tom Clancy. Yeah. But they they were just so fixated and completely roasted the book. Um, but I thought, well, you know, at least it's an extreme opinion rather than someone just going, yeah, you know what, I read a couple of chapters, I went out, I just went and made myself a cheese sandwich after that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, it. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just suddenly makes me think like, it's so insipid that you couldn't even raise an opinion for it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't even good cheese. We didn't even have Yeah, cheese do you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't even like cheese, but I just thought, yeah, fuck it. You know? Um, and that's what the VTV series was like. It was like a bad cheese sandwich. <laughs> oh, I hate those guys. Yeah. Surely he was named after Clancy Brown, wasn't he? No, that, somewhere, there's someone now, right now, typing a review going, and he's fucking Nick Clancy Brown's name. Because <laughs> no one can have the same name as someone else. Apparently not. We're just putting the review together now. <laughs> I, um, I, I keep getting, um, every so often this guy pops up and threatens to sue me. Um, true, yeah, genuinely, this is true because there's a character in the book called the Reverend. And, um, uh-huh. his, his real name is, uh, Jonathan Bishop. And they're actually, they're, scarily enough, there is a guy called Jonathan Bishop out there. I imagine there's a fair few. He's got his, but he's got his own website. And when we bought the comic out, obviously in the blurbs, Bishop, and this guy got in contact with me to say if I didn't, um, change the name in the comics and the book that he would sue me. That's ridiculous. And then a little while later, he sent me another one to say, if I, if I don't do that, I will, what did he say? He's going to do something with my name to sort of go see how you like it. I was like, well, to be, oh, no! I was like, well, to be honest, yeah. if you, I don't do imagine that, you're the only I'm, person in the world called Barry. I, I'm going to get more people looking. So yeah. go for it, dude. And I really wanted to go like, dude, the guy's really cool. He's got two guns and like kills bad people. I love it when there are people called Stacy and things until I realise that most of them are like bimbos or slags. <laughs> like, if you, like think of all the famous Stacey's and there's like Stacey from Wayne's World and that's pretty much all I can think oh Stacey's mom. so the Stacey was actually ugly and the mom was the fit one in that song uh, I uh, was working with a I was working with a woman at the same time as the Crimson Pirate thing I was working with an old lady whose daughter I also knew and her daughter was called Stacey when that song came out mm-hmm. and it was awkward because yeah. I really liked that song but she wasn't she wasn't more attractive than a daughter. I definitely prefer her daughter oh, if I had a choice. I've now decided that um, next, uh, well, second book's not out yet. So I might be able to work it in, but if not, in the third book, there's going to be Stacey in there. She's going to be badass. Good. Awesome. There's no badass Stacey. I said badass like I'm from London. Badass. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Stacey. Uh, she might be from London. I don't know yet. No. I, I, I'm still she developing. Not be she could be Brummy, but I, I can't. I won't work in any accents and shit. But yeah. I, I'll, I'll just go. She's from Birmingham. And then <laughs> I've she's... got some bad news for you, Stacey. Because um, I thought you'd been a bit paranoid about your name, and there's no good Stacey's. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, I've checked Google, and I think you're right. Yeah. Oh. See. 
There's a there's like Stacy from EastEnders, but she's shit yeah. too. I genuinely mm, can't a, think of any of us. Yeah, she's a she's shit. A, she's a, <laughs> I hate those guys. Is your Jonathan Bishop a cyber stalking expert? Is it that guy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is that. Yeah. Oh dear. He looks like. Jack. Let's not rustle any feathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> just in case. What are yeah. we doing? Yes, yes. That's just Nick's opinion. I mean, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Let's leave that there, eh? I've got, I have a lot of really awful opinions. I'm going to eat a biscuit, so I'm sorry if it's loud. Oh, oh no, nice. I've got a cake. Can we speculate on what sort of biscuit? I think it's a hobnob. No. So, now, now Nick's eating a cream-filled donut. I was, I was going to, I was going to say, before we go any further, lads, um, introduce yourself properly and tell us what you do. <laughs> Oh shit, yeah. Hi Mike, by the way. Oh hi Mike. Um, hi, they're saying hi to you, Mike. Mike's not oh, got his headphones in. Oh, hello guys, I love you guys. Hi. So he's just, he's just not listening. All right. Brilliant. Okay. Just listen to hi. Now back to your social media caller. Go! <laughs> back! <laughs> yes. So, um, I'm, I'm Nick and he's James. He's drinking, he's drinking a fucking glass of water. And, and we... Throat clean. I'm a professional, mate. I'm, I'm ready. Keep your throat clean. Keep my throat clean. <laughs> what's in there? What's in there? your throat get dirty from all the horrible work? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what? That actually sounded like an advert. Hi, I'm James Gill, and like when my throat gets really dirty, I like to drink water because that because that, that clean. You should try it. That cleans that shit right out. <laughs> but. What do you use when you want to clean stuff? Use a bit of water. Stuff, stuff. Do you know, I was having this conversation the other day about bidets. Because, right, if you've got shit on your shoe, right, right. would you just wipe it off with toilet paper and consider that clean? No. But if you have a shit, you just wipe your bum with toilet paper and consider that clean? No, we well, all need bidets. I we... don't know. Sometimes I use a little luxury wipe at the end. <laughs> just, uh, just... So a soft towelette. I'm responsible for those fat birds in the sewers. There's these massive fat birds. Yeah, in the sewers. There's just like piles of like crap and 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 baby wet wipes. Wet wipes and things that have been flushed down toilets, like sanitary towels and all sorts of sad times. This is a this is a little known fact that parents parents don't tend to share. So I'm going to let you guys behind the curtain on this one a little bit. Like when you have kids in the house, you always have wet wipes. (laughs) It's awesome. So the thing James is talking about about the little luxury wipe at the end. Yeah, but most people don't. Most people don't. Do you guys have wet wipes by the side of every surface in your house? Uh, I I have them in the bathroom, but only on occasion. Like, for example, if I've gone away for a weekend, so I've bought wipes for that purpose and bought some bathroom. If you want a little luxury wipe after you've done your business as well, they're always very handy. Yeah, I use them for a lot of things that I would not have used them for if they weren't there. Yeah, that's true enough. Seriously, do you guys just do adverts? Is that what your podcast is? (laughs) I tell you what, I can I can sell you a load of luxury luxury wipes, and they come in a box no bigger than a mini fridge. Oh, for God! <laughs> <laughs> straight straight up, they do. <laughs> oh, what kind of mattress did you have a sleep on last night? By the way, I don't I don't know what her name was, but I think it might have been Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> we obviously both listen to either Comedy Bang Bang or Spontaneous Nation, or both. Or both. Or, 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 or in my case, neither. <laughs> Those are both uh, comedy podcasts that are very improv based, but they've got lots of sponsors, and they do like improv adverts for the sponsors. Yeah. So it's never just like, oh, you know, go to Squarespace because it's good at websites. They do like a bit 
about it and it's quite hilarious and there's a whole thing about Lisa Mattresses. I hate podcasts that are really hilarious and actually think about their content and stuff. It makes me <laughs> sick. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too, Baron. chip up and basket in my opinion. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He looked at my list of he looked at my list when he said that. He didn't. He, 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 He's making me feel really insecure about my list. You, you realise you still haven't actually introduced yourself or said what your podcast is. Just, no, I know. Just thrown it out there. <laughs> we, um, just, I'm so glad you're all here because I'm not keeping this on any sort of track. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's what I do. It's oh. who I am. It's what I do. It's not, it's not what I do that defines me. It's who I am. No, it's the way around. It's not oh. who I am that defines me. It's what I do. It was my Batman speech from Batman Begins, but I can't remember. Did this. you ever watch the. Uh... Who you are that defines you, not what you do. I don't know what I, <laughs> oh, I excuse don't know. me. I'm, I'm going flattery over did you ever Sorry, watch, did sorry, you ever watch the funny or die Batman sketches where Pete Holmes plays like Batman as an idiot? So, no, like, for some reason, he can't, he can't for some reason figure out that Harvey Dent and Two-Face are the same guy. So he'll be, like, talking to Harvey Dent, and then Harvey Dent will turn his face and he'll be like, oh, my God, scary face. Where, where'd Harvey Dent go? What have you done with Harvey Dent? Where's Harvey Dent? And he'll just be going crazy. It's the best thing ever. You should watch that. It's funny. Shall I, shall I, before, uh, before Barry gets upset, shall I, t- shall I say who we are? Yes. Yeah, Give me a name. I'm going to wait a little bit. <laughs> you want to take me along? <laughs> Swear to me! <laughs> oh, that really hurts. Ow! <laughs> do your thing, Nick. Alright, so I'm Nick and he's James and we do uh, two podcasts and that's it at the moment, isn't it? We do Two Grown Men, which is about being 40-something like dads of relatively... It was supposed to be about parenting, but it's mostly about James's mental health at this point. Right. Which sounds like a joke, but that's Not basically... Really. <laughs> it, it didn't really sound like a joke, it just sounded like, oh... <laughs> which is okay. It is quite depressing, which is. Um, but um, I mean, we try and be funny about it because <laughs> I find his depression hilarious. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Depression. It's, it's so terrible. Yeah. Um, and um, we, I mean, we really, I feel like we should disclaimer that we that was all fun and games, but we really do think depression sucks. We do, but you're rambling now. You Am I? Yeah, and we and we also do a podcast about comics called uh, We Have Issues. Um, which is uh, we've been God, we've been podcasting for about seven or eight, eight or nine. With the, with the mom cast first, about seven or eight years. Yeah. Do you know what we? I was going to say like when I sort of people say how long we podcast for, and I always say oh it's, it's ten years this year. I feel quite proud of that. I think yeah, we pioneers. Every other fucker's like right there. Everyone, you know, it's like Stacey's next. Stacey's next year. You guys are about two years away. I'm like oh, it's not even a thing anymore, is it? Are you regretting saying you do this now because you wanted to do something big for your tenth anniversary, Barry? We pretty, were just uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think we were just working out that because uh, you know most podcasters work out uh, about the one month, two month mark that getting totally hammered before they record maybe isn't most productive. Yeah, somehow that took us a somehow that took us a year to figure that out. Yeah, at the point we worked that out, you were getting Jonathan Ross on the show. Oh, were, were we? Oh, so it's sort of so you're still ahead of the game, right? Oh, I, yeah, I still, I to this day, I still don't know how that. I, I know how that. I know how I did it, um, and how long it took to do that. I still don't quite know. I think it's one thing to have done it once, but the fact we then got him on a second time, I was just like, how's that even? How did that even work? And I remember at the time um, when you got him, got him on the first time it was after he'd um, been kicked out of the BBC. 
and oh, right. um, he wasn't doing any 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 interviews. And um, I think we were the um, first interview he did um, after sort of coming back. Well, just the first interview he did, and then he did an interview with I can't think what some national newspaper like the Guardian or something like that. And they made this big thing of going. Jonathan Ross's first interview after leaving the BBC and, and two years out of the game, blah, blah. And there was a comment on there where they were, where someone literally went, uh, I think you find he's already done the interview with these guys and had the link. It's like, boom. Um, nice. which I thought was awesome, even though I now expected loads of highbrow people now switching over to Geek Syndicate to hear just what Jonathan Ross had to say, which is going to be all about comics and Jack Kirby. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, um, that was that was quite quite a high point getting him on. I have to say. I think I think what happened is because I've seen Stacey do this as well. If if I didn't if I hadn't met you and started talking to you, I just assume you were super confident because I remember watching. I think you got into a conversation. One of you got into a conversation with him on Twitter, and then you just basically wouldn't like you asked him onto the show and it just came out. Like I can't. I can't remember how it happened, but I sort of saw it happening, and I thought, "Jesus, the balls on these guys!" It was me that I was me. He was having a conversation with. Yeah, but like, um, but having seen, having got to know you a little bit, and also seeing Stacey with some of the people she gets on, I'm like, "Yeah, no, it isn't. You're not. You, you don't find that stuff easy." <laughs> no, no, it's no. All, um, I was, um, and I think we're in that really weird. We're in that really weird situation as podcasts, especially in the in the comic scene and the UK convention scene, where it's all quite everyone's sort of shoulder to shoulder a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're shoulder to shoulder with lots of creators and stuff. I always have a lot of trouble working out which ones I I'm friends with and which ones are just being polite, polite because that's what you do when you're at a convention. Yeah, do you see what I mean? So yeah, I yeah. never say any of these guys are my friends, and it's actually got quite like. It's got quite, I think the first time we went to Thought Bubble, I've known Anthony Johnston since um, the old Warren Ellis Forum days when I think he, before he was like a professional writer. Um, and I think the first time we went to Thought Bubble as the, the Momcast crew as was, uh, he happened to be having a cigarette outside with a bunch of the other guys. Mm-hmm. And I got so nervous because I hadn't seen him in a few years. I didn't think he'd remember me at all. So I went over to say something to my friends. And I said to him, oh, hi, Anthony, uh, you probably don't remember me, but we used to, we've met each other a few times and blah, blah, blah. I ran back inside and he came over to me at the bar and gave me a bollocking because he was like, well, of course we, I've known you for years. <laughs> <laughs> I find that really, really weird and I never know quite what to say. And then if you're me, um, you, you feel you're just getting to the point where you feel comfortable and then you disgrace yourself at <laughs> 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 a party. Full of creators well, <laughs> leads for Thought Bubble. Funny you so. should mention that. Earlier on, you guys were talking about conventions. You were talking at length uh, about Thought Bubble. I enjoyed that very much indeed. Um, uh, Stacey um, <laughs> mentioned uh, an incident where her name was called out <laughs> at a party and she had to go and attend to an unnamed friend. <laughs> now, I was really impressed because she didn't say who that friend was to protect her anonymity. I just wondered if you were able to add any colour to that story now. <laughs> the, fun, the funny thing is, it was Anthony Johnston who I think called out. Yeah, it was. I think it was him who ended up calling out this. Yeah, I. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what was weird is um, this is this is this is a great cathartic experience because I was I was not there for that part, but I was there in the evening and sort of going backwards. We were all in um, Stacey's room drinking, yeah, and, and chatting and stuff, and it was great. It really it was that 
for me, it's those times, which is what I love about conventions, which isn't the necessarily the walking around sometimes. Sometimes it's just end up in the hotel room, eating pizza, drinking booze, and just talking about all kinds of good geek shit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing, the theme that I've kept coming back to is that I didn't have that as a geek growing up, except from Dave. I didn't have it. And so many sort of geeks now who are younger have that. And I'm like so envious of them because I'm like, oh, I never got that. So I thought that was great. And to the extent where I wasn't even going to fucking leave the hotel room. And it was you fuckers are like, come on, babe, we're going to go dancing. <laughs> come on, party, get in there. And, and I literally got in the cab with you both and Phil yeah. went in there. I was oh, in there for yeah. 10 minutes. And then suddenly I had a moment of clarity. And I was like, what am I doing now? I don't want to be here. And I just went, I'm going. Mm-hmm. And you look, was like, that's fine, babe. You go, we'll see you tomorrow. I was like, okay, I'm going. Walked outside. I was so drunk. I walked outside. I was like, how do I get home? <laughs> <laughs> and literally, as I went, how do you get... And this is what I'm saying, but this was the perfect night for me. Obviously, not for the stage, what happened 10 minutes later. <laughs> but for me, I, I walked out and was like, how am I going to get home? And literally, a cab pulled up. It was like, do you need a ride, sir? And I was just like, get in. <laughs> get in. Well, and I did, in fact, get in. Yes. Um, and then, and then, obviously, I then heard the next day that... Well, the weird thing was, loads of people told me on Sunday, was like, oh, did you hear about what happened to Stacey? And, and, and the other aforementioned person that might add colour to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I was like, no. And they were telling me. I was like, but I, and I kept saying, but I was with them. <laughs> and it was like, literally, I left and then everything just went to shit. I, um, I think that the best part about that whole evening was the layout of the corn exchange because... If I hadn't have had to have gone up a set of stairs and walked almost the entire way around a top balcony around the dance floor, nobody would have given a shit that I was leaving. But because everyone saw me, like, going to rescue Nick, I mean, unnamed yeah. man. I've got to say, though, I should not take any sort of uh, uh, credit for the taking care of Nick because all I, cause I was, I got outside and some guy, some security guard guy was like, this is your friend, he's on the floor, he's not well, sort of that. And I was drunk, so I just sort of sat next to him and sort of patted him on the shoulder like, you're all right. And he's just lying there, like, obviously not Looks all like, right. Looks like, help me! Yeah. Are you alright? And I'm there going, do you want some water? Like, I've got, <laughs> I've got nothing. I've got absolutely nothing. But then, thankfully, good old Mike here comes outside, like, I'm sure I heard people chanting your name. And I'm like, help me! <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, um, and I was really sad because I missed a Taylor Swift shake it off. I'm sad because I missed that. Word. No, that I'm, I'm sad because by the time we arrived, which is probably half to my left, someone just went, fucking hell, dude, did you see Run DMC? I was like, oh, I'm Aww. going home. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. I, that, was, that was odd. <laughs> that, that side of things was quite odd as well, like the, the whole Run DMC thing and missing that. I think my and Mike did walk me back to the hotel, which was amazing, um, as well as looking after me with Stacey. But, my night had like was quite parallel to yours, Barry, because I didn't. I don't think I drank anything once. Everything. My whole night kind of happened at the hotel, eating pizza, yeah, and sitting in the room. And I think what happened was, as we were leaving to go and catch cab, I was doing that thing where you, you're sitting down and drinking steadily, and you don't realise how drunk you are. Yeah, and we were having quite a chilled out time. And also, there was a, a bottle of spirit on the side i can't remember what it was um. but it was just sitting there and i thought oh i might not get that many drinks at the at the corner exchange so i'll have like a house 
a hotel room picture <laughs> of that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. whatever that was, I can't, I necked it. It was wrong. Oh, run. Okay. Yeah. And I was and I was fine in the cab. I I felt fine. I, I went and got people drinks and ended up just getting myself a soft drink or something, and I still felt fine. And then it just then the whole the bottom just fell out of my knife. Probably exactly the same time as you decided you were going to leave. <laughs> Your spidey sense is going off or something. It was, it was literally like I sense disturbance and forces. As if one life has cried out in pain and then was went silent. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I do have a bit of a, I've always had a bit of a sense for like, time to get the fuck out of Dodge. Just, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> so, um, it's a very handy sense. It, it is. I quite enjoyed being famous for a few minutes on the dance. Well, you're, well, you're welcome, Stacey. <laughs> 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 Which is all well, part the, of the plan all along. I was going to say, the best part is, is everybody thinks that I like went outside and like rescued you. And what actually happened was, I think I just sat next to you for a bit until Mike arrived and then I went, I'll go and get some. And then yeah. I, I came back with some water and then sat there a bit more. <laughs> I, it was a very confusing time for me. So I, you could literally tell me you did anything and I wouldn't. It was very confusing. I've never had anything. I've never been like that before. And it's fine. We can move on. I mean, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. Well, well, Nick, Nick, you called the tune, mate. What do we move on to, sir? Yeah, you've got the list. Yeah, what do we what, move on? Yeah, you've got a list. Yeah. What have you guys been talking I mean, because every conversation I've tuned into has been quite, uh, like, you were talking about race and gender with Kelly Sue. You're talking about podcasting with oh Dun- Duncan. No, Dominic. who's the chap on Reagan and Starburst? Oh yeah, yes. Dominic yeah. Westland. Yeah, um, and uh, and at that point, I uh, at that point I tuned out because I was starting to get anxious that other people were too good. My list is mainly what TV programs and stuff have I been watching that they might not have talked about. <laughs> oh no, that's that's good though. So. Um, <laughs> that, that really sounded like and it wasn't but it sounded like the equivalent of like you wanker but you just replaced it with hip with hipster yeah no it's from a place I, of love I okay. think I've read it right to be honest <laughs> I do have to say because like I'm not going to watch this film because it okay. doesn't seem like my thing but have you um seen any of the trailers or posters for there's a film called Central Intelligence which stars Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson, The Rock? Yes. Oh, yes, I have. Yes. Um, it does look good. <laughs> it looks right, but it's yeah. got my favourite tagline that I've seen on it. I keep chuckling about the tagline because the tagline is, uh, all you need to save the world is a little heart and a big Johnson. <laughs> and Yay! <laughs> it makes me chuckle. And I, I just had to share it in case no one else had, had seen it. I think it's the first time somebody said the word Johnson on this show, so that's good. Or taglines. Oh, I find that very hard to believe. I, 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 no, I, we've, we've used different words for Johnsons, but... What I, different words? Stacey, tell me. Uh, Cox? Dick. Definitely. Definitely said dick. I'm sure I've said penis. Yeah, yeah. That's about it, really. Three. That's that's schlong. Schlong. I mean, come on. I haven't that's said schlong. It's um, the uh, Austin Powers like, isn't it? I like when you're reading, like, erotica and stuff, which I don't do often, but uh, sometimes just relax. And uh, and you can tell that towards the end of like a chapter or something, the writer's like really struggling to find a different word for cock. So it's like his throbbing member. And it's like <laughs> that's the least sexy word. Do you find like a lot of erotic literature sort of like it builds up the crescendo and then the chapter ends really abruptly because obviously at that point the writer obviously came <laughs> and then completely lost interest, <laughs> lost interest in what they're writing. Is that how that works? I don't know about the <coughs> process. I'm not a professional. 
Well, oh, maybe Barry can shed some light on this. Well, well, speaking of someone who's, who's not written any erotic fiction, I, oh. I, I can't answer that, other than the fact that I do like to end all my chapters on cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Keep people, oh. ha- keep people hanging on. Keep hanging on. Oh, you, ooh. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I've got, I've got nothing. I wrote an erotic story once, just Did to you? see if I could do it. And then at the end, I was like, I haven't even had sex. What do I know? <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Speculation, speculation. It was yeah. a yeah. Well, it, that's, but that's that's like that's a proper ride. It's like imagination. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I don't know not, what it says about my imagination. I mean, I haven't fought demons and stuff, and yet I write about them quite happily. And I've I've not been in the fight of like uh, ten cult men- members. And, and, <laughs> and, and killed people, but I've just used my imagination and think, this is what I think it might, it might work I've out like. a lucrative career in erotic <laughs> yeah. fiction yeah. Also, I've always wanted to write, like, something bizarre and have uh, the pseudonym of Susan Demean. <laughs> oh, that's good. Brilliant. That is good. <laughs> oh, oh, cheers. James, <laughs> um, if you're really curious about that, I do have an answer to that question. Uh, I'll I, tell you later. I, I, was just, I was just going to say, I've always wanted to start a uh, a cult. I've got this thing about occult detective agencies. I've got two ideas. One, which I'll say is, it's going to be called, um, Fuzzy PI, which is Fuzzy Beer as a sideline as an occult detective. With, <laughs> with, and, and you know, you know, Pepe the Prawn. Oh right? my God, I love Pepe the Prawn. He wears a little, he wears a little black polo neck. He's like, he's sort of sidekick and they have adventures amazing. and they, and they drive around the back of their taxi and they solve occult mysteries. So that's idea one. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm... And our idea too is, is me doing exactly the same thing, but I've got a talking cat. Brilliant. Is, is my, is, You're the PI. I'm the PI and the talking right. cat is my sidekick. He's going to be a wise cracking cat. He will be a wise cracking cat. Probably. I won't wear, I won't wear the flat cap. It will be the cat that will wear the flat cap. Sweet. And a little bow tie, a little salmon. No, salmon. I'm, I'm thinking right. he'll, he'll probably wear a scarf of some sort. That's classic. Do you know what I mean? The, and the, the bow tie would be a little bit too pretentious. Yeah, I think the scarf is uh, classic. It will be, it will be like, it will be like a cat version of, of um, Rocket Coon because it will be like, but but it'll properly swear, so it'll be like fucking hell, and it'll nice. and it'll probably have a shooter or it'll have like a sword or shotgun, so like, fucking have it, you ghouls. I pet like characters that swear in comics, but they don't use the swear words is like a pet peeve of mine, and it's a ridiculous thing to get so upset about. But it's just like. You care enough about the character swearing to make it. Everyone knows what those words are. Yeah. Like, yeah. It really bothers me. Is it Spider Man 2099 where they say shock instead of fuck? Really? It's like, what the shock was that? Who the shock are you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Who the shock are you? Fucking terrible. I always remember, like, um, going back to, like, stupid pitches because I think every few episodes of Geek Syndicate, I will come up with a stupid TV pitch for some sort of show. But I think one of my favourite ones was, and I, I can't think what guest we had on, and I was talking about Paddington Bear, and, um, I thought it'd be, and he, I'd turned him into some sort of hitman, and he had two, two sort of shotguns, and he'd literally just go, I've got your honey, bitches. Um, Do you have a bit of a Punisher backstory? So like, yeah, a little bit. Doctored it. Yeah. Doctored him, got killed, killed. by gangsters. Yeah. yeah. Are you saying that though? The, the actual intro to Paddington Bears, but like the movie is a bit fucking rough, guys. Is it? Like, the there's, Oh, well, the, the film sort of opens with him having a jolly old time with his like mom bear and dad bear in the forest, and then there's just like a fucking like earthquake storm thing, and then his parents are just dead, what? and it's like oh off we go. Yeah. It's, it's is that is that the time. film version? Yeah, because that certainly weren't in the fucking TV version that I watched as a kid. 
It was very gentle. It was a very gentle Michael what's his face, wasn't it? Horton? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's that about? Nessie would be telling me like bad puss got was like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like behind bars for 20 years and then they let him out like Cape Fear style. He's like, I'm going to fucking have them all. I have a friend. Sorry. No, I was going to... Bagpuss was a uh, British celebrity in the 80s. He wouldn't have done any time for his crimes. We'd only be finding out about them now. You know Bagpuss was holding all of those creatures in that uh, that, uh, shot. He was holding them against their will. The tree have talked to him, but they can't make anything stick. The woodpecker was a forcer. Anyone steps out of line, John Peckham, isn't he? Was that John Peckham? Oh, Peckham, that's another one. Yeah, oh yeah, I forgot about the bad John Peckham. Do you know what? There's an episode of Bad Puss which effectively is like is like the Sting, and by the Sting I mean like the the classic uh, con film with Paul Newman and um, the other guy's name I can't remember it won the Oscar or Hustle. Did you watch Hustle on BBC One? Yeah, a couple. I watched a few. Okay, so, but anyway, they're about con men, so fine. Oh, you're but talking there, But there was an episode of Bad Puss, which was all about the, the mice in Bad Puss. There was mice in Bad Puss. And basically, they said they'd made this chocolate biscuit machine that could make, nice. make chocolate biscuits, right? right? And they would roll out a chocolate biscuit for Bad Puss and go, oh, this is lovely. And you go to the biscuit and go, no! And they would roll the biscuit back round and go, oh, make another biscuit. And then, at the end of the episode, someone went round the back and effectively it was always the same chocolate bag, just biscuit, and they were just rolling it around, this whole, Contraction to fuck with bad puss. How messed Aww. up is that? <laughs> That's like someone like pouring the whiskey for me and going, you can't have that, and then just pour it down a sink and then like doing it again. And it's, it was just horrible. I was like, you fuckers, why would you do that? That's a Gitmo level mindfuckery. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> He's a lovely, fluffy, even though, em- and Emily still loved him. If you watch bad puss, now I'm talking about. He was a lovely sort of like cat. He was a floppy old. It was a love, floppy funny. old. It's lovely. Yeah, cat, and they just they just fucked with him. Do you know what I mean? Well, Wrong. No one really thinks about that. They, people don't care enough, do they? Really? No, no, they don't. That's what's wrong with millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Too busy taking selfies to care about bag puss. Oh, millennials yeah. is literally everyone younger than us, though, James. That's no, what it means. It is. Yeah. That's what it means. Apparently, everyone born in like anyway. Never mind. You don't need you don't need me having looked at Wikipedia and like. But that's what it means. It doesn't mean like twenty somethings. It means old, like thirty something. So, so what other topics have you got, then? It's good. Nick. It's good that you got me off millennials. Um, right. So, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I enjoyed that. Watched the whole season. I didn't think I'd like the the DC series, but I quite enjoyed it. I Stace, liked. Stace, what did you think? Uh, it was alright. Oh, it it had like the thing is overall I enjoyed it, but there's a lot of like shit in there. Yeah. Like, um, for a start, there's a lot of time fuckery that makes no sense, but they try and make it make sense, which makes it make less sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that stressed me out a little bit because I'm easily confused by time travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, I like to try not to think about it, but they kept trying to make me think about it and it was kind of poking holes in everything they were trying to do. And I was like, Ooh, that's a bit wrong. Also, I think there's some dodgy acting in it. Like, I, if you asked me, I would gladly have watched that show if it had only have been. Rory, I forget his real name. <laughs> Rory off uh, Doctor, Doctor Who. Who, yeah. Um, Arthur Darville. Yeah. If yeah. it had been him and Wentworth Miller and uh, and Brandon Riff, and that had done me, I'd have been fine with that. Can, can I take umbrage with that? You can. And and go, Rory, whatever the fuck his name was in it. <laughs> Professor Rip Hunter. What? Rip, Rip Hunter. Rip, yeah, Rip Hunter can. He can fucking. It sounds Rip. like a sex name. <laughs> 
he could do one. So for a start, turn your collars down, right? Having collars up does not make you cool. Makes it's you futuristic. Look, it doesn't make you futuristic. It makes you look like a prat. Turn your collars down. So that that's thing one. Every episode, I was like, dude, just put your collars down. I get it. Also, how many times can he go, legends? <laughs> Do you know, I had a similar but, problem. I had a similar problem with Hawk Girl. Actually, yeah, she was The rubbish. number of times she said the words, yeah, but did you know, just a couple of months ago, I was, I was a just barista. a barista. Yeah, and it. like, I wasn't this like Hawk goddess person and I didn't have Vandal Savage trying to do me a murder every day. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, great, cool. Uh, that's not going to change the fact that this is your life now, though, is it? Yeah, deal with it. <laughs> but it was just like, then we can be legends. Come with me and you two can be a legend. legend. That's a hard mate. Do one. And, and the guy you played at him as well kept going, now we get our chance to be legends. It's like, it's not a name. That's not your, even your team name. You haven't even got, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You haven't even got a team name. At least with the Justice Leagues that come must be a member of the Justice League. That's a name. Yeah. You're like, we're going to be legends. No, you're not. You're just a bit, you're a rat. Cut nightclub. He looks like an 80s nightclub as well. He's no, like, it cut, does, yeah. cut price Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's, I've gone there. I'm sorry. Cut price Iron Man. He's like, he's popped down to like, um, I was trying to think of um, the pound shop or Lidl or something and picked up an Iron Man suit cheap. Nice. And he's like, I'm now going to be the Atom. It's like, oh. and he's got a visor that everyone, it's like, I know who you are. I can see your face with a visor. We, yeah. I don't get it. I like Brandon ongoing thing well i mean he's supposed to be he's like de- super like deliberately super cheesy but he even has that iron man thing of his his technology keeps falling into hands of like fascists <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> james i don't know if you know what, what this show is no i don't know i have a clue what Le- Legends of- <laughs> it's basically uh you do have a tv you yes, um uh D- dc had two successful series like they had arrow yeah, which is yeah. about green arrow yeah. and then they had um, the Flash, which is about the Flash, yeah. and they thought, well, it's going quite well. We're going to just invent something. Because I don't think they, I don't think there's a Legends of Tomorrow. That's not a thing in the DC universe, is it? Um, if Dave was here, they'd answer. I don't think so, though. I think the character, obviously, all the characters are DC characters. They had some decent, they had some decent character actors who'd been in lots of other TV programs, mm-hmm. and then they'd been supporting characters in Arrow and the Flash, and they were just nestling in the background they had some nice characters that they'd introduced and then thought we've got too much stuff going on in the flash we'll send them off to another city or something and they thought we want to do something with that and the bloke uh of doctor who uh, people oh, recognize we... him as a time traveling person yeah and Broadchurch is only going for another season anyway he's he's the priest in that that's really handy though isn't it because he's got that time traveling experience on the cv so you're not gonna have to spend <laughs> training him she can go straight into doing the series. Well, all of the things the guys are saying about it that, that are bad yeah. are true. But every two or three episodes, they've got like, um, one of the two, the, the professor who is the, the, the old man of. Yeah, Boston. I like, I like him. He's, um, he was the dad in Alias, but he was also the, what was he? The, yes. He's the, the ship designer in Titanic. Oh, was he? He's, yeah, my, uh, my, um. How fucking old is this boy? <laughs> In the film Titanic. Oh. And my wife loves him from that, but she won't watch this program because it's, uh, like, comic well, I, I was watching, I, <laughs> I was watching, uh, he's taking commentary on the football the other night. Uh-huh. Uh, Scott Mills from Roger, it was quite funny. Uh, and every time there was an injury, they played the Titanic theme. It was brilliant. Really? Okay. So every few episodes, <laughs> where, like, where, Brandon, where Brandon Roof's character, the Atom, or something, said, said something to the old dude who's Firestorm about, like, 
he said, how could we ever have seen this happening? And then Brandon Roof says to him, I imagine that's what the people on the Titanic said about an iceberg. Oh, and then, and then no. the iceberg looks really sad. Doi! And then, <laughs> and then Wentworth Miller, there's another episode. So you're getting all this nonsensical story yeah. and there's lots of flying around and it's quite fun and silly and stupid. Yeah. And also lame as well. But then like Wentworth Miller is the main character in Prison Break and the guy who played his brother in all of those is like his partner in crime in the show as well. It's total mm. stunt casting. And then you go a couple of episodes and they have to break out of a prison or something. <laughs> and he says, because when Ruth Miller affects this really weird voice in it, he kind of I, know. I can't even do it. That's, That's fucking ridiculous. For a second, wasn't it? Yeah. He talks really slow. I can't do it. I, I can't know. do it. But it's anyway, like, yeah, I'm Captain Cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know not I mean? like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Captain <laughs> and he says something along the lines of, I'm not going to do the voice, obviously Barry's showing you what that's like, but it's like, he says something like, this won't have been my, but this isn't our first prison break or something, and I get this little shock of like, that's a, that's, they were in that show! Wait, wait, wait for it, this isn't our first prison break. That's it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it, it's, it is quite nonsense, but there's an element of fun to it, which actually... So even when I, I, I watch an episode and then kind of ring Dave and sag it off, I then sort of think, actually, I was entertained, it was, it was fun, and it was, didn't take it... The thing is, it doesn't take itself seriously. Um, yeah, and I think, I think the problem with, I've found with, certainly with this season around, which is why I've said I'm probably not going to watch the next season of Arrow, um, is that Flash I'm really enjoying. Um, I think with Arrow, it's been going on for a long time. It feels now. Um, there's too many people who are in the Arrow cave. Too many yeah. people in costumes running about with him. Um, I feel it's lost that edge that it had when it first started, when it was proper dark. I feel that's gone. Um, and, um, I'm tired of flashbacks. Oh, God, tell I'm me just, about When it first started, the flashbacks were well, kids. Have less acid. <laughs> I should have. That's a legacy. You know? I should. <laughs> I, I should have drunk more water. Is what is yeah. what really is yeah. what I've learned from Arrow. That's what Arrow's taught me. Is I should have just drunk more water and did less LSD. Yeah, there's a but, life lesson, kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because wait, that the last series was heavy going. Yeah, I, I fell apart. Like yeah. I fell apart. No, I fell fell out with it. Um, during the last series and it was around about the time they decided to make Felicity crippled and then not I know and I was like either either do it and do it properly or just don't bother like don't yeah. don't have this big deal thing that within two episodes is no longer even a thing well, even that if makes they, it completely trivial even if they did it for a season and in the season she was then able to walk again then fair enough but it was literally you're right it's literally two episodes and suddenly here's a computer chip put it in your spine and you're all good to go yeah oh, and if that right, sort of okay. thing exists why the fuck are you holding on to that and not giving it to other yeah. needy people you bastards wouldn't it be um, the pic- what, what, what was it the, the, the forceps to help people give birth and apparently the people who invented that didn't uh, let anyone use the technology for about 80 years is after its invention. Why didn't they? Because they were um, olden times people and they were nasty, that's why. <laughs> they were busy building an empire or something and being absolutely terrible to people. Fucking English people. Yeah, no. Were they English? Oh, of course. The paper <laughs> <laughs> I, I've literally spent today making a list of podcasts that I'm, 
I'm, I'm literally not going to go back to Geek Syndicate for about six months because I'll be doing a tour of a podcast and I'm like, I, I, I will come on your podcast. Not, co- not, not come on your podcast. That's, 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 uh, <laughs> With his throbbing mouth. Uh, I, I, I will be a guest on your podcast, oh, is, is what I'm saying. If, awesome. if, if, I'm, if I'm invited, obviously, I just don't invite myself, do you know what I mean? Our but, doors um, and our hearts are always open to you. That's, that's, hearts, oh. said. Hearts. That's, Sorry. that's that's their lovely. little hearts and their big Johnsons. <laughs> oh, you melted. Hey! She's sharp, cool but she... You're on it. And you said you were tired. I'm fucking knackered, mate. Second wind. <laughs> nah, she's on a second wind. Oh, you guys are legendary. You're doing very oh, well. I'm very impressed with your energy levels. And, mm. and jealous, because I feel very clapped out. Don't tell them, like, don't say, oh, God, I'm knackered. Like, because I did that last time. I yeah. kept going on about how tired I was, and I'd probably be going to sleep soon. Yeah. And then yeah. afterwards realised that was a complete dick move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, loads of, loads of people sort of going like, oh, yeah, oh, it's really impressive guys to I'm really tired, I might tell you now. Good luck. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. thanks for that, mate. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for that pep talk, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've got some very good people coming up through the night. It's very exciting. I may stay up and, and listen a bit longer. I, don't. I just, how, how did you get the guy off I Zombie? Uh, I basically uh, begged his agent, like, please, 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 please. And she was like, all right, I'll fucking ask him to eat beans. Get off my back. <laughs> yeah. Literally. And then just like hassled her for a really long time. Get off my back and off my lawn. Yeah. Mm. The only problem is, though, that they've they've said yes all the way up till now, but they still have yet to give me his contact details. Oh. <laughs> Haven't they? Oh. So, <laughs> it might just be the last 20 minutes of us just crying. Like, or, or, oh. or basically, like, me going, I'm going to go to the toilet and Sue's, Sue and Stace is going to go, oh, we've now got a guy from iZombie. And actually, you might sound mysterious like me and go, hi, um. I'm the, the guy from iZombie you wanted Hi, to talk to. I'm Ed Winchester. You may remember me from such shows as iZombie <laughs> and EastEnders and Casualty. Was he from those? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. That's, that's what I like to call research. To be fair, I'm not entirely sure I haven't been in Casualty. <laughs> <laughs> I know Lee from Blue was in an episode of Casualty in which he played a guy who had an allergic reaction to a condom. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, if we keep going, I think I'll end up in Casualty. <laughs> I am um, the the chap the chap you might have on later on. Although I don't know, are they going to be listening? Are they are they waiting to give you his contact details depending on how the show goes? Uh, no, no. She just said, "Oh, we don't like have them on us. We'll give you them closer to the time." <laughs> I, I find um, I I realised. I think I'm on record as saying this, so it probably isn't that shocking. But like, um, I quite I I find that man quite attractive. And it's like um, the the iZombie guy, his name I can't remember. And um, and so I love watching him in iZombie. And then I realised that I'm probably just really racist because oh, I really yeah. like uh, the time I started liking him was the same time I started really liking that guy who made it to the finals of uh, the Great British Bake Off. And they're both these gorgeous Indian men with like little goatee <laughs> beards. And I, I think it kind of, I think I, I was most, and I just really like Indian. I think I fetishise Indian yeah. dudes with nice beards, which is terrible. You are terrible. I should really love people as for the who they are, not you're not a, what they. You're a little man with a beard, so maybe it's um, like onanism. I might have just. I don't know if they're going to give you his contact details. <laughs> well, where we well, yeah, it could be all done now, couldn't. It? I was going to say, before you guys go, um, how long are we over time? We are a little bit over time. Well, I was going to say, before you guys go, do you want to come up with a competition question? 
Oh God, I wish I'd known about this oh, at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, uh, what sort uh, of things are you? Um... Well, I should, should we try and should we give away the? Or we could leave those to the morning. I'm thinking about the two tickets to um, the Ice Comic Con. Oh yes, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, cool. uh, you, you could ask people uh, to name the uh, convention uh, at which Stacey had to intervene with um, a very uh, pissed Nick. Oh, <laughs> oh, good one. Good one. Did, we, did we get a winner yeah. for the Dead Queen Detectives situation? Sorry. No, no one else. Oh, no, people weren't paying attention. Uh oh. Oh, does um, I want to ask, does Nick have any questions for the handsome man for my zombies that he fancies? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think I'm going to have any questions for him. I think the whole interview is just going to be me going, "Did you know you're so like really beautiful? Did Did you know that? Are you aware of how beautiful you are? Because you is are very. And I find English accents annoying, but his is really charming. I like yeah. that. That's, that's I mean, lovely, that is, isn't it? Posh English accents. I mean, he sounds no. very posh. Oh, that's the accent that I do in Reagan and Starburst series it? too. Oh, I'm going to hate. Oh it, yes, then. it's it's incredibly proper. Oh, is that it's incredibly you... proper and British. Is that when you came down to our part of the world and you didn't come and say hello? I was so uh, yeah, that's pretty much... Well, the problem was is that I didn't realise that was your part of the world until I was on my way there, and then there were plans, and then I was... I literally recorded my bits and then left because it was my anniversary. Which is <laughs> very nice. I really hope you had a nice anniversary and all, but I have cried myself to sleep every night since. Oh. I've I would say I'd come and visit you again, but it was a fucking pain in the arse getting to Eastleigh. Eastleigh, to be fair, is a shithole as well. Sorry for you. I went into quite a nice coffee place that really overcharged me for a lemon cheesecake smoothie. Oh, they did that. Right, well, right, well, still on the competition tip. Oh, yeah, shit, sorry. So, that's not a bad question, the thought bubble thing, because yeah. there is. What TV program am I thinking about? Oh, <laughs> uh, I just, uh, that was actually a really good question. You just <laughs> fucked it up. I'm <laughs> sorry, it's late. Um, for everyone. Yeah, oh, I know. Right. I, I love that. I'm sorry, it's late. You've been on for what, an hour? We've been doing 15 hours, dude. Well, it's all relative, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I, I pride myself on being a professional. That was that was terrible. Okay, you could ask uh, what was the uh, what was the, the the first show you were talking about where they got the funny catchphrase? Oh, maybe I don't know. Was, was that... that the movie? The movie tagline. The movie tagline. Yes. What yeah. Which film was that? What's the prize, Barry? Well, that sounds, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know anyone... Do you remember when he had that really funny tagline about Johnson's and Hearts? Ah, yes. <laughs> what was the movie? Was okay, the movie? what was the but movie? What's the prize? Um, it will be a signed copy of Fellside by Mike Carey. Ooh, snazzy. And uh, I'd like to throw in uh, the offer of a warm handshake if they ever visit Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> what about a slightly damp handshake? To be fair, I sweat a lot. I've yeah, got a number of ailments. <laughs> I'm a really sweaty person. Like, unnecessarily sweaty. It stresses me out. It might be because I'm overweight, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, mine, mine is mostly um, being overweight, but also just uh, general anxieties and ill health. Mm. You started cycling, though. You haven't mentioned that on this podcast. Oh, they know. They've seen my beautiful legs today. Well, oh, yeah. certainly Mike, who's manning the, the social media, has seen my, life, my legs today. He doesn't show up about his fucking bike. It's a Nightmare. It's nice. It's, it's right next to you. Shut up. Shut up, Ben. so much. Look at it. Who are you talking to next? Are they waiting? It, yeah, it's Kelly Thompson. And yeah, she is. <laughs> it's amazing as well. Um, 
Yeah, well, Hello. rubbish. Before before you go though, I think that uh, James, you need to go and find the song "I Found a Bike Today" and watch the video. I think you might enjoy it. Ooh, what was that? Say that again. It's called "I Found a Bike Today." Just do a YouTube of that. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm going to write it down on my list, but I found. He is. He's doing a right. He's got lovely handwriting, you know. Today. It's illegible, but it looks very. That's the job, though. On that note, thank you so much for blathering with us at Stupid O'Clock in the Evening. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's 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 actually awesome, and I, I will come on your podcast because. Oh, we should do that That'd because be he enjoys it so oh, much. You yeah, come all over it. And you guys are amazing, and <laughs> people should uh, give money. It's a very good cause. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you. I love Mike. Oh, I love oh Mike. we all love Mike. Love Everyone you guys. loves Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 See you guys. <laughs> I did some kissy noises. <laughs> right, shall we talk to Kelly? Let's talk to Kelly. Let's talk to Kelly. She's got a very attractive <laughs> Skype photo. Mm, she has, isn't she? It's much better than mine. Hi. Hey! How are you? Tired. (laughs) (laughs) Drunk. (laughs) I bet. What are you? You guys are at hour 19 or something, yes? Uh, 15. 15. Just crossed into 15, yes. Uh, I I would love to say hour 19. That's awful. What I I know. I I got really excited. I was like, we're at hour 19. Then I glanced at the clock. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, so close. I'm a terrible person. That was an awful thing to do. No, literally, I bet before you came on, you said to someone, you know what would be really funny? When I go on, I'm going to say it's four hours later than it really is. I'm going to really fuck with those UK people. It's going to be hilarious. Stay with me. It's going to be great. I'm only laughing because if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. (laughs) I'd probably just pass out. Right, now, come on. We've got to do a proper job of uh, introducing. No, I'm fucking hell. I'm so sorry. (laughs) We'll start again. Hello, Kelly Thompson. How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure. Yes. I'm sorry. I hope I sound okay. I haven't been able to find my headphones yet from my uh, packing, from my big move. You sound clear as a bell. Yeah. Possibly the clearest person we've had so far. I know. (laughs) And some of these people have been other podcasters. Yeah, yeah. You should should really know better. (laughs) You would think. Well, I used to podcast, so I know how frustrating it can be to have Um, bad audio. It's the worst. So what was was the podcast you used to do? Uh, I did, uh, I created Three Chicks Review Comics, and then I hosted that with, um, uh, DC Women Kicking Ass. She runs a really popular. Oh company. yes, yes, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Sue, Sue. And then um, initially we had a, a great woman named Maddie Dupree, who was a Canadian, a lovely woman. Um, but she eventually had to bow out school commitments and things. And we were going to replace um, her, but you know, as you guys know, running a podcast, it's it's like schedules and everything is very tough. Yeah. So we ended up just changing the format a little bit. So it was just Sue and I, and then we would almost always have a guest on for half of the cast. And um, I think that was actually a better format for us, but then our, uh, then our name made no sense, but you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we eventually had to stop because a big bummer. Um, mm. We eventually had to stop mostly because my career started to take off and it just became a really, big conflict of interest to try to talk to people or talk about the comics industry and then be like go out and try to get jobs and things and like I felt like I couldn't say things for publish say things about publishers I was working for and suddenly we just there were so few things we felt we could talk about without me getting fired 
that we had. <laughs> it was a bummer. I had I had a really I really enjoyed it, and God, I got to interview so many cool creators that way. You ever thought about going back to it, maybe trying to find a different way to approach it, so it's not going to encroach on like you know. I've, I've thought about going back to it. Um, I mean, the interview aspect of it, I loved so much. So I would sort of be interested in going back to an interview format, but I don't know. It's so time consuming, as you guys mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And also, as a writer, I, I'm sort of, though I really enjoy doing it, I'm sort of the last person who should run a podcast because I have all these artist friends and they all listen to podcasts and they're, and they're such great supporters of them. But a, a writer, unlike an artist, I, I can never find the time to listen to them because if I'm, if I'm doing if I'm writing, I can't listen. All these yeah. artists, they have all these days where they fill with music or some of them have TV on the background or whatever, and they can do that while they work, most of them. But as a writer, if I'm listening to something, I'm either not listening to it or I'm not working. So, you know, <laughs> it's, really, it's, very, uh, it's very tricky. So I'm sort of a, a terrible person to run a podcast, even though I, I did enjoy it a lot. So... I find it really interesting to talk about process. I guess I'm just sort of a nerd. So <laughs> I guess if I was ever going to do it again, I would want to talk to creators about process. I'm, I'm sort of a, I love that kind of stuff. I, I think that would actually make for a really good podcast. I think it'd be really interesting. Um, to, yeah, there are probably better ones already out there, I'm sure. <laughs> no, but you see, I, I think the thing with podcasts is, you know, even though you've got lots of people necessarily talking about the same thing, and I think even with the podcast that I do, which isn't, Stacey's podcast, I do a podcast which is called Get Syndicate. And, um, our format is very, when we started, it probably wasn't a standard format because there wasn't really other comic podcasts when we started doing it. Um, which is be 10 years ago this year. Um, so, you know, we do news, then we do what we call We That Was. We just talk about random things, we review stuff, and then we might have a main feature, which is pretty much a standard for a lot of podcasts. They right. do news, reviews, and maybe a main feature. Um, but the thing is for me, which is what I said, I've said to a few people today, what attracts me to a podcast isn't necessarily what people are talking about, which seems weird. It's the, the hosts themselves and it's their banter. It's their chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally think that's true. For yeah. Sure. Um, I mean, I, there's so many out there and the ones you come back to, I, I a hundred percent think it has to do with the host. It's, it's like watching a late night talk show, right? Yeah. I mean, we happen, we happen to be living in like a lot of really great hosts are on so it's sort of like uh in the u.s it's sort of an embarrassment of riches but uh you know there was a time when it was like jay leno and letterman and like i'm never gonna watch jay leno but letterman <laughs> is before and everything he was great to watch you know and so it sort of didn't matter who jay leno had on he could have on people that i was far more interested in but i would still watch letterman instead so yeah i, I totally agree with that you know, and I think it's, it's, so you can, so going back to the process thing, you could have 1500 pro podcasts all talking about, you know, with other creators about process, but I'm just going to go to that one where I think I love the banter. I love the chemistry. That's the one, even though I feel there's another podcast, which might, might do the subject matter better. Right. Um, I'm like, yeah, but that feel that one's a bit stuffy. It's a bit boring. I'm going to go with that one. Cause these guys make me laugh and they make me spit my Coke out when I'm drinking. <laughs> You know, that, they're, they're the sort of podcasts that I want to be listening to that are going to affect me in some real shape or form. Yeah. yeah. The banter, I mean, I also think the banter between hosts and, and how they approach, if they're interviewing people especially, like, mm. 
uh, it really, how they are together really affects sort of how great that interview is or isn't. I was watching this interview of Conan O'Brien the other day, and he was talking about how when he goes into the green room and he meets, you know, whoever it is, whether he's met them before or not, like he can get a sense almost immediately about how it's going to go based on how they respond to him in that couple minutes or a couple seconds where they interact. And he's like, and depending on what that is, he's like, you know, sometimes I shrink and I pull back so that I can let them sort of do what they do best. And then my job is just to sort of, you know, facilitate. He's like, or, or I can see they're not going to be able to do that. And so I sort of puff up and fill the space. And then I try and make it more about me and them laughing at me and things like that. And I was like, wow, the next yeah. time I watch Conan, I'm going to like look for that. And then I'm going to know, like, who's the bad guest, right? Like, <laughs> I'm going to be like, yeah, there it is. There he is. <laughs> you suck. You're rubbish. <laughs> it's a little bit but harsh. Right? That is a bit harsh. I want to know now. So I have good personality. In my mind, though, you've got a little chart on your fridge, which is basically oh, yeah. like bad guests, good guests. Yes. Um, <laughs> setting that up I'll be like not charming so and so I'm learning some good internet tips oh, I d- I'm, d- I'm flagging I've got- <laughs> I'm, I'm trying really hard but I'm flagging yeah, St- Stacey's flagging my um, glasses are off and everything yeah yeah, no your glasses are off she means, but I'm, I'm drinking which we usually see me through most things I'm scared to drink too much in case it knocks me out but not if you start too early Start too early, then you get really tired, right? I do. No, I, not with whiskey. <laughs> if I'm if I'm drinking whiskey, the magic one for me, whiskey's my. If I've drunk and if I've been drinking like beer or something like that, I would have probably passed out by now. Whereas whiskey keeps me talking, keeps me going. Just just it's like it's like the life the lifeblood of my human, which probably says a lot about me. Um, <laughs> alcohol alcohol would work for me, but only at a certain point because. I would say there would be that that I would hit a wall, yeah. and that wall would not be recoverable from in the same way that if I hit a wall with general tiredness, I could have some coffee or you know whatever and like maybe bounce back. But if I hit a wall post drinking, so I don't know if I would start maybe four to five hours before it was over, maybe. So I'm impressed. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> what impressed. did we start at? It was about three o'clock. Yay. It's about three o'clock in the afternoon that we started. It was about three o'clock. It's twenty it? past midnight now. Yeah. So. Boom. <laughs> but I suppose though, you know, a we're podcasting, so we, we like talking. But also, like, I I quite happily will talk into the night with, with mates until it's like you know four o'clock in the morning. It's like maybe one of us should go to bed now. Yeah. Um, How are you doing bathroom thing though? If I was drinking. I'd have to every fifteen minutes. I'd have to I, get up and take a pee break. Or maybe you just have a bottle. Like I am almost drive. certain that Barry is some kind of cyborg or something. Because I've just had like sneaky toilet trips. I've had about like six by there, and Barry's been once, and it's really freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> he has a camel, or he has a bottle under the desk somewhere that you don't want to know about. It's just had some I, like weird Batman style training. I'm actually, to... re- I'm actually, yeah, no, I was, yeah, because that's what I do. I went to a whole ninja thing and they taught me how to not go to the toilet. <laughs> That's the only thing I took away from my time with Ray Sagul and the League of Assassins was how to not go to the toilet for like yeah, 20 it's hours. Only, it's only helpful for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Long, long yeah. car trip. Yeah. Any other, any other time, like fighting crime, you're going to be fucked. But 
Doing a 24-hour podcast, you'd be golden doing this. You're sorted. It's either that or you wear a nappy. There's your choices. Um, I, we, I've just realised, Kelly, that you've been on now for 20 minutes and you, you've not introduced you properly and you haven't said what you do. So I'm now going to say, welcome, Kelly Thompson, if you'd like to tell the good listeners what it is that you do. Sure, sure. I'm a professional comedian. No, I'm not. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but, you, but you could be. <laughs> I write comics for a living, um, uh, and I'm also a novelist. I've written, published two YA novels. Um, the comics I write right now are A Force for Marvel Comics, Gem and the Holograms for IDW, uh, Pink Ranger, uh, Blue <laughs> Comics, and um, I've done a few other things here and there. I co-wrote Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps with Kelly Sudeconic, who you guys had on earlier today. He was awesome. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, and I've got a lot of big announcements coming up. It looks like they're all going to hit next month. So next month will be very exciting, or this month, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know what month we're in. Uh, later, <laughs> later this month will be very exciting for me, I hope. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Literally every title that you mention stays side quite heavily. Because yeah. I'm... Um, I've got to admit, you, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound really sad and fangirly, but you were one of the first people I emailed because I was like, eee, Kelly Thompson, uh, got quite overexcited <laughs> because literally everything you've written that I've read, uh, I'm kind of in love with, uh, particularly Jem. Oh, God, I love Jem. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're having a good time over there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty sweet gig. Um, you know, that's really my first thing that I got. Um, I'd already been working on my graphic novel for a while, um, but it hadn't been published yet. So when I got Gem, I know people were like, this girl has published like two short stories in a novel. Why is anyone giving this to her? And um, I'm always like, well, you know, I was able to show them like an 80 page halfway done graphic novel so they could at least see that I like really knew how to do comics. Yeah. But it was a pretty big break out of nowhere. And um, I was, I'm very lucky with like all the people that were involved in that, our editor, John Barber. And of course I was doing it with Sophie Campbell. She helped create it initially. And, uh, IDW was amazing to work with and Hasbro was like really good. I mean, you never know. I mean, I don't even think I realized like how lucky I was when I first got that opportunity because I hadn't worked with any big corporations on properties before, but they were incredibly open-minded and they still are. Um, we've only had a couple things here and there where, it was sort of a fight, and we lost most of the time. We win, and they're really great about it, and they're really open-minded. And I mean, I think that's you know, Sophie and I love to take credit for you know doing a really great, inclusive, diverse story, and like you know, getting to to play with these characters. But you know, the truth is, they're the ones who let us do that, and um, they've been really open with it, and we're very lucky because of that. So uh, yeah, it's been pretty cool. So. I'm a lot, I've been very lucky. A lot of opportunities, um, came, you know, since I did that. You know, I was already pounding on a lot of doors already, and I think Jem helped push those doors open a little bit, and so I've been very lucky. I work very hard, but I've been very lucky, so. Yeah, I think the thing about Jem for me is that, you know, I've sort of joked on the podcast already earlier today about the fact that uh, I'm a bit on the chubbly side. <laughs> and the thing that, that struck me about Jem, I think Sophie's reimaginings of the characters are just gorgeous. And it's fantastic to see characters who are like different shapes and sizes and colours and heights and like just a genuinely diverse and balanced cast in something. 
and it's not like nobody feels like the token this like it's not the token fat one or the token black one like mm. they they feel like a like a family oh it's so good i'm rambling i realize you, you're not you're not rambling <laughs> there's actually a pretty good story i think with the diversity thing and with the body types especially because you know sophie is very inclusive in all her work she's always been that way like in her personal work She's always been super that way. But, you know, even, like, when she did Glory for Image, like, that character was insanely huge and cool-looking, and it was awesome, and, like, really not what you see when you see female characters. Um, so she's always been like that. And when she was first doing the designs uh, for the characters, and, like, I knew we'd be doing some inclusivity, and I'm a fat person. And so I was excited about that, and I was happy about that. But when she turned in... When she was getting ready to turn in designs for the Misfits, I saw how big she was drawn Stormer, and I thought, I thought two things. I thought, they're never going to say yes to that, was the first thing I thought. And the second thing I thought was, I don't know if I want them to say yes. And it was because some part of me, in addition to sort of having all those weird self-hatreds that we have about things that are more similar to us, um, it was also like I was afraid that... I would sort of get pigeonholed as that being like an author insert character, like, oh, Stormer's the nice one, and she's a super talented one, and she's sort of one of the stars, and oh, she's fat, and oh, you're fat, and so, you know, is that your character or whatever? And uh, I, so I was like, well, I don't even really have to worry about that, because Hasbro's going Hasbro's gonna to say no. They're going to be like, well, you know, slimmer down a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And then they were like completely fine with it, and I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it was supposed it was to work. Like, but the more I thought about it, I was like, "Well, here's the good news: I am not like Stormer at all. So, of all the characters that are in there, I mean, I'm a little bit like her, I guess. You pour a little bit of yourself into each of them, but yeah. I was like, it would be pretty hard. It would be a pretty big stretch to make me be like Stormer or to make people think I'm writing myself as Stormer. And I was like, well, that's good. It's good that the character that sort of visually looks the most like me and that I most identify with is like the least like my personality, maybe. So uh, Stormer also has like a way better fashion sense and self-confidence than I do. So we're not close at all, really. <laughs> she, she really did. I remember that, I think it was the first issue that she was in, that gorgeous like pink dress with the animal print thing across mm. the top and I saw that and I was like god I wish I was good at cosplay <laughs> so I, like if I could make my own clothes those would be my clothes <laughs> yeah, so that, nice. that wouldn't be that wouldn't be cos that wouldn't be cosplay that would just be like your daily oh yeah outfit. that would be just my fashion forever <laughs> yeah. right right I did really want to dye my hair blue for a really long time as well but realised how much effort that actually is yeah, yeah I would like to well but... I, I just love to have hair <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that just helped. Yeah. <laughs> you could just buy an array of fancy wigs. Yeah. I, I could do that. I'm trying to envision you in some wigs, but it's not. No. no. All you see me is an afro, isn't it? That's all you see. I, I was thinking afro. of Jerry Curl, actually. <laughs> really? No. My brother had my brother had a jerk. My brother, had a, my brother had a, it's called, they call it Jericho, but where I live, we called it a wet look. That's what we called it. That makes but sense. But my brother had a Jericho slash wet look and it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. He came home with it and I thought, I do not want to have that <laughs> <laughs> at all. I really wanted an afro because I watched Shaft, I watched Shaft mm. as a kid when I wasn't supposed to watch Shaft. And, um, I, I remember watching Shaft. And there's a there's a bit in Shaft where he walks into this club and I'm I'm now no one can see me and I'm trying to walk like Shaft and no one can see me. But anyway, 
So he walks into his club and like someone says, Hey man, I've got to frisk you. And Shaft goes, who frisks you? He goes, nobody. Yeah, get him to frisk me. And I thought that's the coolest line ever as, as a nine year old, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I wanted the leather jacket like Shaft, but more than that, I wanted an afro. Um, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get an afro because I couldn't grow it out because you've got to kind of grow it out to get it. And I could never get an afro like Shaft. It's quite sad. That's quite a sad bit of story, really, of a nine year old who never lived his dreams. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I have I have one terrible hairstyle story where I uh, for a really long time when I was a kid I didn't want people to cut my hair because I thought my hair was um, because it grew I thought it was alive and I thought it might hurt it if we cut it. Oh. I was a weird child, um, and so it got to a point where my hair was like literally like on my ass crack, and my mom was like, "I'm not having this anymore." <gasps> so we went to a hairdresser and they cut it all off, uh, but they neglected to account for the curly bounce. So when they cut it all off, they cut it roughly shoulder length. But because of my hair being curly, it bounced up and I had like a big sort of triangle of hair. <laughs> so what, <laughs> like you're, what you're saying was equivalent, what you're saying is you actually had an afro. Well, no, because it didn't, there was nothing sort of in this area. Oh, okay. It was just sort of like, <laughs> I'm trying to, it was so weird. From the gem cartoon though, she had that triangle hair. Yes, actually, it's really close to that. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, I, I was so cross with my mom. You were afraid to cut your hair because you thought it gave you strength, and I was into that. I thought that was a pretty good story. To be fair, I was I I, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> no, I thought was... I'll let I'll let this play out. I don't oh. want to interrupt, but that was kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, no, I wasn't that cool when I was a kid. Um, Listen, I, uh... you're technically right. I mean, your hair is alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I just didn't know whether it would hurt it. I was like, but if it's bigger, sure. Like, if someone cut your head off, you wouldn't have a good time. No, it totally makes sense. I mean, maybe it is hurting it. We don't know. It, it makes me think of a great cartoon, though, where you cut it and, like, all the strands start screaming. It's pretty great. I don't know if I use the term great cartoon. <laughs> More, more, more horror story. Yeah. I, I don't Harrowing know. ordeal. Yeah, cutting your hair and suddenly all your hair screams out in pain. Yeah, I'm gonna go horror. It's like that scene from uh, Saving Private Ryan when that guy's walking around looking for his arm and there's just like bits of hair dragging themselves around trying to find other bits of hair. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've clearly not drunk enough whiskey for this conversation. Yeah, I don't think you have. I'm gonna have some more bourbon. So, um, so Kelly, you're also a novelist as well. I am. Um, I, see, I was going to say, I too am a novelist. That makes me sound really... I fancy myself. Up, up my own arse, I know. Um, <laughs> so, what, yeah, um, so my question is, what do you find more difficult? Yeah, I know, like, you could say, oh, well, novels is more words, therefore it is more difficult. But my question is, what do you find more difficult, sort of writing comics or uh, writing novels? I think the biggest problem I actually have is trying to do them both at the same time. I find it very difficult to switch between them. You know, when you're writing comic scripts, you're just kind of in that mode. And then you go to open up your prose document and you're like, wait, what are these sentences? What do you mean? <laughs> it's like sort of like very disconcerting. And, and by the same token, if you're working on the novel and you're sort of in that zone and you've gotten back to that place where you're sort of, you know, doing that and it's flowing, to stop that and then go back to the script is kind of difficult, to be honest. Like, I'm really struggling with that. I mean, you know, my the second book in my Storyteller series, um, it, I've had a lot of um, things holding back running the Kickstarter on that. 
the biggest thing was I was moving cross country. I couldn't run the Kickstarter from New York. And so, you know, the, the, I, I had that to get out of the way before I could run the Kickstarter, but you know, I'd love to be running it right now, but the book's just not done. And it's not done because I have to keep going and writing comics and I love writing them, but you know, that's what's paying the bills. Yeah. Um, so it, I, and it's really hard. It takes a long time to sort of shift those gears. Um, I would say in general, ignoring the switching gears issue, I think writing novels is more difficult unless you're working with the wrong collaborator on comics. Right. Um, if you've got the wrong artist or the wrong editors helping you on comics, I mean, comics is much more collaborative. You know, so writing a novel, at least just really only have yourself to blame and yourself to control and yourself to explain things to. Um, yeah. If you're with someone that you're not in sync with on comics, I feel like it can become a very, not only a very difficult experience, but the product is just, the final product is just not going to be what you were hoping for. Um, on the flip side, you know, if you're like me, most of the time you're lucky enough to Paired with creators who are far better than you are, so they really elevate what you're doing, and that's awesome. Um, you know, I think there is a huge benefit to um, being able to control everything yourself um, in in prose. But yeah, it's it's a lot harder to sit down and bang out chapters after chapters, and as opposed to you know, a comic script is you know, I think most of mine, a twenty page script is all included, you know, is usually no more than 5,000 words, yeah. and that's just a drop in the bucket of a novel, you know? Yeah, I mean, I felt I was in a bit of a unique position, because um, with my novel, they then they were then trying to sort of um, adapt it as a comic, um, and we got we got about as far as two issues, and then certain things happened, we didn't really continue, but we then did other comics that sort of spun out of the novel. But the the thing with the adaptation that they did, I remember reading the script for the first issue and being really, I got a bit bitter because um, not in the bad way because it was a, it was great script, it was a fantastic script and it was a fantastic first issue. But I kept thinking, in in like literally one page, they've managed to cover almost a chapter's worth of stuff <laughs> with right. one with what because obviously they've got they've got images and stuff like that. And I'm right. thinking, I've spent all this time describing all this stuff. I literally sit there the gun. I've just wasted my life. <laughs> you know, they've done that in a page. I've done that. Right. Took me like that. You know, that took me sort of like thirty pages. And they're like, yeah, we we'll just do a page. We we'll literally just go, you know, a landscape with a nightmare scene. I'm like, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's it was a really interesting process to see how it's converted into a script and to see what they can change and what can go to a comic um, and what doesn't need to sort of be left in the prose and the amount of um, work you have to do in prose to kind of create that scene for people that you just don't have that same issue with comics because it's there on the page. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting. But I always keep asking that same thing of like comic writers that interest me because I still think that, yes, you're writing less words, um, on a script, but it's got to be hard because you're you're you've then got this collaborative process which you don't have as a as a prose writer. You just crack on, you know. Yeah. And yet, again, I I really do think it's it's either it's a it's, it's almost like a greatest strength, greatest weakness thing, right? Like, yeah. If I'm writing a script for Sophie, not only are we in pretty good sync in that I know what she likes to draw and I know how she, I know her well enough that I know how she's likely to approach a page. I also know a little bit at this point, like, 
how to get the best work out of her in the sense of I know what she likes to draw and I know how she's going to want to approach something. And so I try and lean in to those things that she wants to keep her as happy as I can. Um, I never give her motorcycles or Ferris wheels to draw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know what she's, you know, but she's so good that I can really pare back what I need to do, which is not always the right decision for comics, but often is the right decision for comics. Like, there's no reason to, like, clutter things up with a lot of excessive or... Um, you know, sort of uh, redundant words if she can tell the same story on a character's face without me saying, you know, yeah. oh, I was so sad or blah, 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 whatever, right? Um, one of my favorite things about Jen, about the first three pages, so the first page and then the first, and then you turn the page and there's a double page spread. And in those first three pages, I think there are only three word balloons, maybe four. It's very, wow. it's almost entirely silent. And it was, it's, I could, I, I would never try to do that with someone who, who I wasn't used to working with or who I didn't know what they were capable of. And, and you can really write yourself into a problem if you're sort of paired with the wrong artist because you can't rely on that and you better be prepared to like, you know, add in text and like fix it, and draw what you needed them to or what you hoped they would do or whatever. So, you know, it can be very difficult. But if you're lucky and you're with someone who's really great, they're going to do something even better. You know, they're going to do exactly what you need or even better than what you need. And then you're you're in such a sweet position because you can just lean so heavily on how great they are, you know. Um, I had that a lot with um, Ben Caldwell on this on this three-issue run of A-Force. You know, he's so good with with kind of character expression and storytelling. And, you know, and, and he and I are very on the same page, um, tonally, like the jokes I want to tell and like the expressions he gives character faces and things. And so that allows me, I think, to do better work. Um, right. Less is more sometimes, et cetera. Um, but if you don't have that, you know, it's, you know, with, with prose, you, you have, you have the plus and the minus of you're the only one, right? Yeah. So it's only as good as what you put on there. No one is going to help you. But at the same time, you're only responsible for you. So it's, 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 it's a tricky thing. And it's a very, it's one of the things that's so unique about comics. Um, you know, I mean, I guess it's similar to movies and television in a way because that's such a collaborative process too. But it's, it's still a little different because there are so many cooks in the kitchen there and, you know, in 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 film especially, you know, we're told that it's the director, right? At the bottom, mm. that's the bottom line. Is no matter how many people are involved, the the buck stops with the director. And I think with comics, you don't have that. People people sort of give it. You know, it's a shared responsibility there of artist and writer, and it should be. Yeah, this is this is team effort, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I, well, what you said, one of the things you said, I thought was quite interesting actually, is the fact that you. When you're writing your script, you, you, you tailor your script to your artist to, for, for, for the most part. So you will, you know, you will be aware of the artist you're working with in a view of, like you said, no motorcycles, no, no Ferris wheels or Carous, Ferris wheels. Um, and whereas when you're writing, when you're doing prose, you, you don't have to worry about that. You can go as 
as crazy as you want. You can put in whatever you want because you don't have to worry about that fact that someone's right. got someone's now got to draw this. Yeah. And thinking, oh crap, you know, I'm really yeah. sorry that I've done this. Yeah. You know, um, and um, I yeah, I've never really thought of it from that point of view of kind of like writing. So it's not just that you're writing for an audience, but you're also almost like writing for the artists as well. I I definitely think that that's part of a key to not only happier collaborations, but better comics. Mm -hmm. But I will say that you can still try to do that and still be paired with the wrong artist, you know? And, And that's not even a diss on, you know, whoever the artist or writer is who's not the right pair, but just like, you know, the way I was talking about Ben Caldwell and I really sort of sharing a sense of humor, like, and, and sort of that coming through, that creates sort of an immediate synergy and shorthand of like, I can write a little thing and Ben goes, oh, I know where she's going with this. And he yeah. can sort of finish that sentence, if you will. And someone else, uh, can be, can be just as talented as he is. Uh, and, 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 and just as good a storyteller even, but if they don't sort of get me and what I want to do and their things aren't aligned with that, uh, it, it, it's like a, it's like telling a joke badly, I guess, as opposed mm-hmm. to really nailing it, you know? Um, and so then you've got a problem where once you realize that, and you're still, and you're stuck in it and there's nothing you can really do. You can try and tweak what you're doing, but you know, how much can you tweak something if the product is this thing? And oh wait, now this person doesn't want to do this thing or can't do this thing this way. So I've got to find a way for them to do it their own way. Even if you're successful in doing that, it, it's going to naturally change the thing and maybe not in a way you want it to be changed. So it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act for sure. I mean, have you ever, um, found yourself in a situation? I'm not saying it's from a kind of like, I want to get dirt. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, have you ever found yourself in a situation where like, I suppose what I'm trying to get to grips with is like, how quickly do you know that this is a collaboration that I'm going to really struggle with, with, with being, with, with an artist in your case? Um, and I mean, to be honest, I can guess that even before it begins. Oh, really? Well, from seeing their previous work. Okay. Uh, if, if you see enough of it, I mean, there's always a chance that like, oh, they've really been dying to do this kind of thing, but the things they've been given have been these other things. And so they've been trying to match it. So there's always a chance that you're wrong, but right. you know, if you're seeing a lot of someone's work, if you're looking at portfolios and samples and things, you can know pretty early before you even hire that person. You can have a suspicion that it's not going to work out. And to me, the first time I get the thumbnails, I know if we've got a real serious problem or not. Or I just hit the jackpot. And and it's going to work so well, you know? Um, And again, this isn't a... This isn't a, to be dismissive of, of I've, I've had the pleasure no. of working with so many talented artists in my short time. Uh, I, I would say every, pretty much every person I've worked with is better than I am. Uh, <laughs> just, just that, that, that we're just not always the perfect match, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's not about people not being good. It's just about us not sort of seeing eye to eye on what we're trying to do and, that doesn't create the best possible comics. You can still make good comics, but it's not sort of the brass ring you're aiming for every time, you know? 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can know when I get the thumbnails back, that's usually when I can tell for the first section or the first issue or, you know, however they work, I can sort of know the level, the amount of trouble I'm in. Like, <laughs> or how lucky, or how I just hit gold line, you know? Um, so it's literally like, woohoo, oh, Jesus, I'm shit. Well, you what? You're, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, so, we've got, uh, uh, this is a, this is a really good example of me being, not me being wrong, but me not realizing how lucky I just got until I got the thumbnails, or until I got the pencils. Um, I worked with my co-creator on my first graphic novel, Heart in a Box, is this super talented Meredith McLaren, who is criminally sort of underrated, uh, which, which is really the wrong word, because I feel like anyone who reads her work is blown away by it. But she's just, it's just one of those things where she's just not famous enough. Like, I don't know why she's not more famous. Why doesn't every single person follow her Twitter account? Why doesn't every single person follow her Tumblr? Like, why doesn't her books sell in the thousands upon thousands of books? I don't know. I, I sometimes feel the same way about myself, but that's a whole other story. Why am I not more famous? Why don't I have a Wikipedia page? What's wrong with the planet? <laughs> What's going on? What do I, I have to do? I often think that. I have an online argument with in order for me to <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it happen. Anyway, uh, no. So Meredith McLaren is, so, I mean, listen, I hired her. Not, I didn't even hire her because it's not a work for hire job. She, I brought her on and she became my co-creator on Heart in a Box. And though that book got no promotion and has sold so little, I feel so proud of it. And I feel like everyone who's actually read it, all 10 people who read it, uh, really love it. And so I feel really proud of it. She turned in absolutely phenomenal work on that. So when we were looking for someone to do the Enter the Stingers arc, it's coming up on Gem. We were looking at a lot of people and, you know, it's, listen, it's really hard to hire artists. They're all good artists are really busy and fielding lots of offers. So you have to have something that they really want to, really want to do. You have to be offering them enough money to make their time worth it. There's a lot of moving parts here. And we talked to a lot of people and in my mind, the whole time was, I wonder if Meredith would do this because she doesn't usually do like a long run, like a five issues or something else. She has her creator own stuff. She's very busy. But in my mind, I was like, she might be amazing with this, but she's got sort of more of a manga style. It's not, right. not really accurate. I hate trying to describe styles, but it's definitely more cartoony maybe than the people a gem are used to. <coughs> Excuse me for coughing. I've had it. I've been sick. Um, so in the end, I was like, I really think we should hire her. Like, we're looking at a lot of good people, but when it comes to storytelling and draftsmanship and like those abilities, even if Meredith's style isn't quite what the gem folks are expecting, I think she's a superior artist and I want to hire her. So I made this big pitch for it. And my editor was totally on board. He loves her work. And so we got Hasbro to sign off. So she came on board. But all this time, I was sort of secretly a little bit worried which I've never talked to Meredith about, so she's listening. Hi, Meredith. I was secretly a little bit worried. Um, <laughs> just because her style was very specific, and I wasn't sure. I knew storytelling-wise she'd knock it out of the park, but I just wasn't sure, like, is this going to be too different for the fans, you know? So she turned in the pencils for the first issue, and I was laughing so much at my own script. <laughs> sort of 
crying and things because she just made it so good. Like she just the expressions she picked and like especially with like pizzazz and some of that stuff. And she would like take ideas that sort of Sophie had started, like the whole idea that pizzazz sometimes screams or thinks in those giant skulls and things. And then she would like bring her own flair to it. And it just like it, it just really cemented what an exceptional storyteller she is. But like to me that's a great example of me not quite knowing because that was one where I knew she would be good, but I had these lingering doubts. And she did thumbnails. She does her really she does her thumbnails really rough. But I'm really familiar with her work and I still couldn't tell like, well what exactly is it gonna be? But when she turned in those pencils, I was like, This is a gold mine. This is amazing. <laughs> Like, people better love this, and if they don't, they're wrong. And I just don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> Making a mental note to love it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> going around kicking people's doors up. Why didn't you love it? <laughs> oh, you're going to be in big trouble, Stacey, if you don't like it. <laughs> I don't think you're in any danger of that, to be fair. <laughs> so, um, in terms of... Um, I'm I'm shouldering the questioning. Cause... Yeah, I'm flagging. I'm sorry. Yes. I'll pick no, up in a minute. I'm sure it's <laughs> Like should probably interview you because that might wake you up. Yeah, I'm just listening to someone talk. It's like your worst scenario. So, right, I've got the stats. Okay, thank you. you just, I'm not going to sleep though. I know you, that you're right. The charity. No, you're I right. I don't want to cheat the charity. I'm awake. I'm just. Yeah, she's. Yeah. I'm just not very cognizant. Trust me, you're not. You're not going to go to sleep. Sitting right next <laughs> He's going to do me a door on like... my shoulder. That shit's not happening. Um, uh, <laughs> so. Um, so obviously you are you're a comic fan. So the question I'm what uh, comics are you reading at the moment? Um, gosh, I'm reading a ton of stuff. I'm reading a lot of Marvel stuff. Some of that is because I love Marvel stuff, and some of that is because I get Marvel copies, PDFs free now. And the nice. reason I get some of those PDFs free are because they want me to keep up with the stuff they're doing, and I feel a responsibility to do that. So <laughs> I'm reading a lot of Marvel right now. I, I, but I think some of that's really warranted. Their all new Wolverine is awesome. Oh, that Vision is, awesome. is really great. Um, I w- I'm behind on Doctor Strange, but I was loving it. Uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is amazing. Howard oh, the yeah. Duck. Howard the Duck, I really liked when they started, but then when they revamped it after the Secret Wars stuff, it was like two or three of the funniest new issues ever. It was amazing. Uh, I loved Weird World, which they canceled. I was so bummed out. Uh, I love Captain Marvel. I love Ms. Marvel. So I'm, I'm loving a lot of the stuff Marvel's doing right now. Um, the, some of their Star Wars stuff is really, really surprisingly incredible because I feel like you could really coast on that Star Wars stuff, right? You don't yeah. have to put out the best books. But they got like really great creators on it and they're telling really interesting stories. And I've never been someone very, I've never like read all the, Star Wars books that like come out on the side and stuff. I've never done any of that stuff, but these comics are really good. Um, I'm, I'm reading, um, a bunch of image stuff. Bitch Planet remains like, oh, not, only, yeah. not only one of the best comics out there, but like really important comics, right? It's so mm-hmm. rare, uh, to me, you know, what, what do you have these layers of comics, right? You have bad comics, you have mediocre comics, you have good comics, you have great comics, you have a sliver of exceptional comics. And then you have, like, exceptional comics that are also important. And, like, Bitch Planet yeah. is lodged firmly up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
The Wicked and Divine. Um, I'm behind on Deadly Class, but I've been enjoying that. Uh, Lazarus remains one of my favorite books. Saga. Um, oh, I'm trying so to think good. of. Uh, I'm trying to think of if there are like less known books that I can promote. But I'm sort of. I also am uh, constantly behind. I have to admit, um, it's very hard. The same thing with me not not uh, listening to podcasts. I like. I really struggle to keep up with my reading because. I love to read and I would, it's much easier to read than to write. So I'd love to just yeah. not, not write and just read things, but, uh, it's, it's not a good way to get paid. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, um, a lot of stuff. I, I haven't read much of the, the DC rebirth stuff. Um, I'm excited to have Greg Rucka back on Wonder Woman, but I mean, honestly, a lot of creators I really like sort of walked away. Um, or were pushed away. I don't know when DC mm -hmm. relaunched. So I, I haven't really gotten bored. Like I really love Black Canary, Batgirl. It was the first time I was reading that in a long time. And I, I sort of don't like that they're re rebooting those books again or, or canceling mm -hmm. them. So I haven't really gone back in. We'll see. Um, I'm glad Gotham Academy is still there though. I love that book. Um, oh, you know, a really great, um, all ages book from Boom is, uh, Jonesy by Sam Humphreys. That's really cool. <gasps> oh, I bloody oh, love Jonesy. I've not heard of that. What's that? Oh, been? Jonesy's yeah. great. It's about, um, it's about a girl at school who, uh, has the power to make people fall in love with anything. It's like persuasion-y powers. Oh, cool. Um, but also she, like, breaks the fourth wall and just looks amazing. It doesn't look like any other comic I've ever read. Right. It's it really wonderful. doesn't look like any other comic and it really, I get sort of annoyed sometimes at middle grade comics sort of all sort of looking the same and it looks yeah. really unique and I love that. Um, so yeah, so that stuff, um, I'm trying to think, I wish I had my iPad in front of me so I could do a better job of answering this question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioning Gotham Academy has made me, uh, remember how much I'm loving Lumberjanes at the moment because that's doing a little crossover. Right. Yes. Yes. Lumberjanes is so good. I got to do a story in the, um, it was an annual or what it was it was like an oversized thing that had like a, a big story and then my short story it was a it was a a a Kelly and um and Jen story it was super fun see I remember I think I read the I know I read the first issue of um Gotham Academy and um I really enjoyed it actually for me it had a bit of a Scooby-Doo vibe I don't know why um <laughs> And I thought, oh, I actually quite like this, but I, I think I've now got to a stage where um, I much prefer to pick things up in trade. Yeah. yeah. Um, I find it hard to remember what's going on yeah. month by month if I'm reading things separately. I like to save them up for a few issues. Yeah, and I, I, I sort of said to myself, I must come back to this and pick up, you know. And now it's been going on for a while. I think at some stage I will then just dive in and pick up a volume. And, um, like I did with the Hellboy stuff the other month. Yeah. But I mean, oh, what a brilliant weekend I, I, that was. I did it with... Um, <laughs> I did it with, uh, like with Bitch Planet, um, cause it had been on my periphery, but of course I knew we were getting, you know, someone on today. Um, I thought I'll go and I'll go. I was just, I was just going to pick up the first issue. Um, but then, uh, Comixology were doing sort of deal on it, mm. um, for, for the first volume. And we're, and this is a weird thing, but like I have access to the image back catalog because for reviewing purposes. So. I could have actually, if I'd taken the time, I could have gone through it and actually got all the issues to download. But I wanted to read it then and there, and there was volume one. I was like, Do you know what? It's only a fiver. So I went and I paid the money and downloaded it and read it all in one sitting. And it was, and it was amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it was you, not... On Comixology, do you get all the bump in the back? Because there's some really good, like, articles. All, from all the adverts and stuff. No, I mean, no there was, yes. At the, like end, long essays at the end of the volume, that. there was a... Um, I've, I've meant to say it earlier. There was all the essays and things you could talk about and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Some I, of those are really painful. It was, it was like... I don't know if I've got all the essay stuff. I'm not sure. It's more sort of talking points and, 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 and some stats and stuff. Mm. Um, but definitely... What I liked about it was, uh, speaking from a, a, a man point of view, was that it felt that even though there was some issue, you know, it was, there was feminist issues and stuff like that, I also felt like it was, I was getting educated at the same time and I was, and it was a great story, but I was kind of taking, I was taking something extra away from it and going like, wow, you know, I didn't know that was going on. I didn't know those stats and, and just, and I think the best way sometimes to get a point across is to put it in that kind of a, uh, format is in you're telling a story but at the same time there's something else going on mm. I think sometimes that's a much better way than just a news story which quotes stats at you um, yeah. and I, I think I, 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 I think it's brilliant I genuinely I really really enjoyed it no no I know what you mean I mean what is the uh, it's the old uh, it's the Mary Poppins adage right full of sugar helps the medicine go down like yeah sometimes yeah. to educate like we need it to come in sort of a, a pretty more easily digestible package. And I honestly, like, it, I, I don't even, there's something, there's not even anything I can complain about about that. I mean, the world is sort of so shitty, like, you need so much release, like, escapism from it. And so, um, and, and we're sort of constantly besieged by media and news and all of this stuff mm. that uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with. You know, plus, I mean, again, it, it's that thing I'm talking about, about books being, there being a very small percentage of books that are both exceptional and also important. And and I don't even mean like, oh, you, oh, usually comics are unimportant or something. I just think, you know, it is very hard to tell important stories in these tiny digestible pieces. Um, mm. You know, the, the format is amazing in many ways i'm a fan i've been a fan since i was a teenager but it's also limiting and so people who can manage to tell an exceptional piece of entertaining media and also make it important and something that should be read and studied in classrooms i just think that's a whole separate la layer of respect and and uh sort of badassery in general which no surprise that kelly sudaconic managed it right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and I still say she should she should do stand up comedy. <laughs> so I would I, I would I would pay good money to go and see her do stand up because she she was she's hilarious. Me too. Um, uh, she's a pretty she's a par she's pretty charismatic and amazing person. I have to say. Yeah. So, so. Uh, as are you to be fair. What's that? I said as are you to be fair. Oh, thank you. Uh, I I I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> spoken like a true creative person. I was going to say that spoke spoken like nearly every British person we've spoken I know. to today. <laughs> oh, she could be a Brit. She doesn't even know it. <laughs> I have a um, uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, Kyle, lives in uh, London, and he's actually he's he was born in Britain to American parents, so he has dual citizenship. I guess I don't know. I don't know what these rules are, but. He's been living there for the last, oh gosh, almost 10 years. Um, he went, he, he had been there, he came back to the U.S., he was in the U.S. for a few years, and then he went back to the U.K. I believe he's coming back to, to the U.S. this year. Um, but um, when I was living with him in L.A., 
you know, some of his stuff would creep into not just how I was talking, but apparently how I was writing. I met this guy online, and at one point he asked me, he was like, are you British? And I was like, oh, God. I was like, what an awful person I am that, that I am <laughs> so not. And just having a roommate who was living in the UK, it's, <laughs> it's crept enough into me. I'm such a parrot that, you know, it's coming out or whatever. Uh, I, I, I've been sensitive about it ever since that I'm the kind of person who just sort like a sponge, like I just start absorbing other people's, uh, you know, cool accents and things and then parrot them back badly to be just this, like, terrible uh, nightmare person. Well, do you know the weird thing was, it's kind of like, I've been to um, uh, America now twice, to New York, and um, I'm not a big traveller. Stacey's now giving me the evil eye. Yeah, I've never uh, been to America. Uh, no, I'm not really a big traveller, but my wife, my wife is a massive traveller, which means she's she's been working for years to go to places. So the first time we went to New York, um, two instances that really kind of freaked me out was this whole thing people said before, oh, do I love your accent? And I was like, oh, yeah, really? And we went to Grand Central Station. Is it Grand Central yeah. Station? Um, and there's like a champagne bar sort of there. Uh-huh. Um, and, and my wife loves champagne bars. She loves all that. So we went to the uh, champagne what? bar... Yeah, and we were sitting there just drinking champagne and just talking normally, as you do. Um, and there was a American couple sort of next to us, which I hadn't realised over the course of ten minutes was slowly edging closer to us. But every time, every time I looked, they'd moved closer. And um, the guy kind of leaned over to me and sort of tapped me on the shoulder, which in UK is like you don't really do that if it's someone you don't know, unless you want to get a slap. Unless you want to get slapped, don't do that. <laughs> You know, and so so first off, I was trying to have to tell myself I'm in another country, just calm down, you know, um, <laughs> different customs and all that. And he tapped my shoulder, and I'm not going to do an American accent. But first thing he said to me was like, are you British? And I, and I turned and I said to him, and suddenly I went even more like North London cockney than I would normally be. And I went, what was it? Was it the accent, mate? And he started, and he, and he started laughing, going, and he nudged his wife, going, "Yes, yes, yes." And I was, and I was kind of like, "What the hell's happening?" And it's uh, like me and my wife were listening to, like, you know, you and your wife we weren't married then, but you and your wife is like, um, "We love your accents and stuff. Can we join you?" And I thought, "Why?" Because <laughs> all we, all we've established is we've, we've got a bit of an accent that you like. You don't know if we're good people or if we're, we're, we're swingers. We're entertaining or anything like that. No, but so they, they joined us, right? Bought us drink, bought us, he ordered like a load of champagne, a cheese platter, which apparently is quite expensive there, right? A cheese platter and just sat with us. I mean, they were a lovely couple, but they were just so excited about the fact that we, and I said, I said, in it, I was like, oh yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? And he went, I'm sorry. I went, in it. And he was like, did you say, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, that's what I said, innit, innit? And he was like, oh, my, he's, and he turned to work, God, he's so funny. I was like, I'm not funny, I'm just, this is my, it's how, this is how I talk. There's nothing funny about it. It's not, I'm, it's not comedy. It's a little bit funny, I'm not cocky, I'm not cocky Eddie Murphy. It's not, I'm not, you know, it's, this is just the way I talk. So that, so that was story one. Story two was when we then got married, we had our honeymoon in, we got married in Iceland and then we had our honeymoon in New York. And, uh, we went, to um, Sue's uncle it, it basically paid for something like a wedding present so we stayed in like I can't remember where the place was but it's a very fancy I think it's a five star New York hotel very fancy Ooh, um, they opened doors for you and shit very fancy and um, 
I got out of the car and it's an important story to say that all the sort of like the bus boys and the guys there were, were black guys, right? It's an important story. And so they opened the doors and whatever and I got out of the car first time. I was like, cheers, mate. And the guy just froze like I like, like what the hell? And <laughs> and and then I was like, yeah, thanks, mate. Gave him a tip, went in and the other guy opened the door. I was like, oh, thanks, mate. And, he, and that guy froze. And then when I came back out later on the next day, it was the same sort of set of guys who were talking to the store. I was like, all right, lads, how you doing? And they were looking at me, and then one of the guys called me over, and he was like, "Are you from England?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm. I, well, I used to live in North, I used to live in North London. I now live in uh, Tottenham. And this whole sort of chat and whatever. And like they, and one of the guys said to me, said they couldn't get over their head that it was a black guy who wasn't American and actually had a kind of Cockney North London accent. It just freaked them out. And for, and they said it was like the coolest thing ever. So every time they saw me, it's like, "Hey, it's, it's London guy. Hey, how you doing?" And I'd always come and go, all right, lads, how you doing? You all right? And it's like, yeah, yeah, great, great. Oh. And they didn't start to try and do the, the accent, which didn't <laughs> You're really right, work. governor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, they, they never called me governor. I feel like if they had done, I would have to go, no, lads, you don't do that. We, we, we don't do that. We don't do governor. We're not Dick Van Dyke over there. We don't do that. Let's just stop it. Um, but no, it, it is, it is seriously, it's freaky. I've never, I've never had that before. People just buy, buy you stuff just because you speak differently. I have well, had people your, like your first scenario. Uh, you know, I feel like that's the the beginning of a sci-fi story in which <laughs> your wife ends up in cages and those people like yeah. people on a tour and they're like, and here are bricks. Yeah, and throw cheese at them. They like yeah. that, whatever. Like, it's, it's very upsetting that they were so. I don't know. I, I mean, it's very nice that they were nice, but it's sort of really off-putting for someone to say the way you say something is, oh, you're hilarious. Like, come on. I mean, to be fair, I've had that. I mean, I've had that when I moved to Northampton. I had that because I came from North London. Even, even over here, you get that different regional stuff. Yeah. But taking the sci-fi thing, it's almost like them sticking in a cage and having cattle prods and going, say, cool, blimey, go on, go on. <laughs> say, say. <laughs> <laughs> cool, bloody! <laughs> Don't hurt me, My living friend came back to the states. Yeah, we were at like I don't know. It was like we were in. We were living in. I was living in LA at the time. He, he had just moved back, and uh, we were in something like I don't know, like an Olive Garden or something, some kind of not fancy chain restaurant. And he asked the hostess where the toilet was. And you could see she just looked at him like he was the most disgusting person she'd ever encountered. <laughs> and then he came back and he was like, did she give me a look? And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she did. And he was like, what do you think? I was like, I'm sure it's because you said toilet. And he was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. At least yeah. he didn't say something about like So, what, uh, what, what was he supposed to say? Bathroom. Bathroom is what he, what oh, he oh. would say. It just isn't sort of the the phraseology, right? It's just not the Um, common way to say it. And apparently in a air quotes fancy place like uh, (laughs) like Olive Garden, uh, it was, uh, she found it to be pretty shocking, but it was They should uh, consider themselves lucky that he didn't go and ask, where's the shit at? Because that's the thing. See, I'm now going to Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm now going back to whole Brits in cages. Now I've got this whole Planet of the Apes like vibe where it's a comic, but it's called like Planet of the Brits. We're just like 
I've, I've, you've come back it's thousand years later and like the Brits are like hunting for sport and you know what I mean they're all trying to do terrible American accents to yeah. pass us so, not British yeah. I'm not thinking you're trying to get through your checkpoint going like alright mate I'm American say that again say go blimey go, go, go blimey and trying to say it in an American accent and going no he's one of them <laughs> it's like Logan it's like Logan's run for Brits so I've I've been drinking way too long. Yeah, I think we, I think you, can, both, you can bring up Logan's run. You're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we've about hit our time. We have. That's gone quick. I know. I've got such a, a delight. You are, you are a delight. delight. Straight up delight. I know. That was awesome. I had a great time talking to you guys. Uh, oh, I, thank I you. I can't imagine I'm earning you money at midnight over there, but uh, <laughs> I hope I am. Uh, I hope you are. I, uh, I like to think so. Have you guys seen the movie Away From Her? I just want to end it on a really depressing note. <laughs> oh, go well, for have it. You, have you seen the Sarah Pauly movie Away From Her, which is about Alzheimer's? No. no. Uh, and it's based on um, uh, an Alice Monroe story, I think, called The Bear Came Over the Mountain or something. I can't remember. I'm butchering it now. But um, it is absolutely gut-wrenching. It's about Alzheimer's. It's one of those movies where I just cry like that that level of crying where you just face hurts for like two hours after you're done. So yeah. you know, if you're ever in need of a good cry, uh it's uh it's very good and uh and and relevant to the podcast reason. Yes. <laughs> Give us money. Give us lots of money. Yes. Not not you, Kelly. Like No, no, no you've given us your time. <laughs> So don't feel you've now got to go and put your hand in your pocket. Go, Fucking hell. Fuck it, it's not bad enough I've got lights go on there. I've now got to put money in as well. What's that about? <laughs> All right, well, good luck. I know Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Kelly. Glad someone does. Yeah. Take care. Take, take care. Bye. Bye. I've noticed I always go really high-pitched when I say bye. I never just go like, bye. Have we got time for a really quick social media check? Yeah, go on. Before we get... Go uh, on. Social media, Mike. Social media, Mike. Get your butt in his up. Yeah. My bum hurts. Just an update. Just a butt update. Ow. (laughs) The update is I've run out of Prosecco. Um, oh, now have you drunk a whole bottle yourself? I have, and it went very quickly. It's really nice. <laughs> Do you know what was funny? It was like two things. A, I really wanted a glass of prosecco, but I thought I don't want to ask. And two, I, I saw you. Ask. I saw you open it out of there. I thought it's all gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Bang! <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Took out my took out my window or something. I was a bit I was a bit saddened by it because I suddenly thought, as you were opening it, that it would have been sensible of me to buy a bottle of prosecco for when we finish. Yeah. To be like. The yeah. end. Ah, oh, cheers. See ya. But uh, I didn't think that through, did I? Right. I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I'm kind of glad that you guys sort of abstain from I'm feeling the benefits <laughs> now. Um, everyone's oh. a bit wobbly. Yeah. It's right. quite nice. And I've just been insulting James and Nick on Snapchat. Oh. So it's nice, you know. Oh. But they're still listening. Okay. Hello. Hello. Um, I don't know if anyone's won the competition because I've not. <laughs> oh, um, I don't think anyone said any answers because it's a bit late. Yeah, it is a bit late. Everyone's kind of sort of sending messages saying that they're going to bed. Uh, hey, rude. Yeah. <laughs> hey, utterly yes, rude. Yes, understandable, Dad. But I did ask the question what comic books would you recommend that you love? And uh, Yelzamore said, Why the Last Man? Oh. As the finale made him cry. 
Oh. And it made me a bit emotional. I read the first issue of that and thought, cool, this is amazing, and then never touched it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, my friend, my good friend Kerry, she um, wanted to get into comics, and I just introduced her to Why the Last Man, and I gave her the first She read the whole thing, and she was just like, more comics. So I got her into comics through Why the Last Man. Um, And Phil Thomas says, uh, Saga, Stray Toasters and Alpha Flight. What is Phil doing on the internet? He's in the middle of a field right now. Uh, Best Steve Lai, yeah. How is your phone even working? (laughs) Hi, Phil. Uh, How are we doing on the um, donation front? Well, Donations, justgiving.com forward slash SPCP live to... Dion Wilton Pollock has donated. Thank you, Dion. Um, the ever wonderful Jenny has donated. Thank you, Jenny. Sharon Frost has donated. Oh, that's my auntie. How is oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> um, Anonymous. They've, you know, blimey, they've donated. Nice. They're like, uh, they do like packing okay. and shit. <laughs> so, you know, they wear masks and. Nice. Uh, Luke Foster has donated $20. Thank I think you. you need to change your t-shirt again. <laughs> no. Do, well, well, the way the pound is at the moment, I don't know if it is. Timothy Swan. How are you, Tim? Oh, yeah, Tim. Love you, Tim. Oh, and I of miss course, Tim. I've seen Tim for ages. The wonderful, magnificent Amanda Bird, who is somewhat affiliated. Oh. Yeah. But do we have a total? The total. Oh, God. He's really, um, really hate He's a little bit tibbly, isn't he? No. Jeez. <laughs> Oof. Oof, it's good. Uh, £656.70. Nice. Nice. But we've still got 400 and whatever to raise if you want to hit our target. 300 and something? 300 and something. What's the URL, Stacey? It's justgiving.com forward slash SPCP live 2. Yes. Go and give some money. It would make me really happy. Yeah. Do it, your mothers. I'll be happy as well. (laughs) Do you eat your mother? Right, drunk social media guy, go and sit down. <laughs> go and, get yourself a glass d- go and take five. You're lightweight. Don't <laughs> lie down. Yeah. yeah don't go to sleep because you are still expected to be actually doing social media, but just just get yourself a glass of water. But just chillax a bit. Yeah. yeah. I should probably get some more water in a bit because I've nice. drunk a lot of bourbon. Just cross your heart and hope for the summer days. Ah.